for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Indie Performance is an online nutrition coaching platform that specializes in helping strength athletes optimize their training, making weight classes, or just achieve their aesthetic goals without the steamed chicken and broccoli lifestyle. Head over to IndiePerformance.com. That's I-N-D-I performance.com to find out more. Okay. Okay. We got a fucking lot of people here. There's a lot of the strength guys rep. The strength guys is here in full flex here. We got three coaches, two star athletes, um, possibly more than likely. I mean, this isn't really overly debatable. I don't think there's a controversial statement to say the number one, number two powerlifters intested the world. What are we talking about here? Men's and women's. What are we talking about here? Is this the king and the queen? What, what's going on here? That's right. Appropriate. What do you think, Leah? I mean, you're referring to me, right? <laughs> that's right um, i mean it's uh the strength guys we got obviously arian messi Kamesi, but ben is back jason's here um we got the king himself taylor atwood queen leah babo 63 and 69 kilo classes i mean the strength guys are showing up and showing out right now um so we're gonna have a little bit of a discussion here we got um obviously we got possibilities of Sheffy. We could talk about, we could talk about your guys' comeback stories and and all what's going on as well as obviously get into the nitty-gritty with some programming or whatnot. Where do you guys want to start off? Jason, what, what are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, um, thank you for having us on again. I, I think uh, it's great that we're all able to get here and and uh, shoot the shit and and have a have a conversation together. So um I, I think if we're doing recent events, it would be uh, Leah that's that's up first, right? And her uh, performance at the um, Arnold Classic UK. Okay, so <laughs> Leah's like, what I got? If I can start a story now, oh, I didn't come prepared for this. Well, let me. No pressure. Let me. I'll cue you up here, Leah. So we. We talked about it previously, uh, like we had like Team France on essentially, but we could we could backtrack this up a little bit and also look forward to a little bit of um, of Sheffield as well and, and how things are going. But for anyone listening, um, obviously Leah missed Worlds and um, Arnold UK was this big redemption meet. And we also got the coaches here and Ben here so you guys can speak to um, things leading up to this big redemption meet as well. But um, the missing in worlds and the comeback at Arnold UK and the statement you made being like, this is going to be 63 kilo. And, um, and obviously you, you broke world records and did what you did, but uh, shall we rehearse a little or rehash a little bit about this discussion? You think about leading into the Arnold UK? Good. I'm glad I said something. That's way better. All right. Sorry, man. You go ahead. So yeah, you said Corolla was, that was an extra yeah, uh, that wasn't originally, I had known since I met Leah, like that was something that she had wanted to get her her other redemption with because um, 
worlds in in Sweden, uh, obviously Carol won that year. And I think that was always sort of, you always put the target on the top, the top person, right? Um, but I think from all our perspective, it's always an interesting thing when you're dealing with uh, a human being, not, not just a, you're not just writing a program um, because to be honest, and we've had this conversation, you know, Leah, Jason and I, um, it is not what we would have ideally planned, but I knew how much it, we both knew how much it, it, it meant to her. Um, and I think in order to move on, she kind of, she kind of needed that. And we needed to, to give her that, that chance, um, to move on, move on. And now in hindsight, I'm, I'm happy that we did end up doing it and, and that she was able to break all of those things. Cause I think, uh, it would have sucked if we had missed that opportunity where all things lined up that way inadvertently. And, and then she didn't do the meet just because, you know, we didn't want her to cut back down. Uh, but all of that being said, uh, what I still hold to, and I'll let Jason speak to this if he doesn't agree, but I do think we're probably on the same page with this. Um, after seeing in person, uh, <laughs> the best way I would describe it is it's like when you put a hot dog in the water to boil it, to cook it. That's essentially what Leah's doing to make weight. Um, so that was the first time. <laughs> so I very confused. To... Usually analogies make it more clear. Now I have a million questions. Well, that's what, I mean, she's in a tub. She calls it a hot bath. It's like when you, when you boil a hot dog in, in the water to cook it. Like well, I, I, I think I really saw her at worlds when she was fully cooked and kind of overdone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I really didn't, I could not visualize the process until I actually saw it in person. And that is the best way I could describe it. Okay. Fair enough. Oh my. She's ready. Let's get some mustard, some ketchup and a bun. We're good. Uh, but I think to be able to see her, let's just say do a less aggressive form of that and perform the way she did uh, at the Arnold, it's very exciting to think how she will perform when that is no longer even part of the process. Um, because I don't care who you are, that is taking something away from your performance on meet day when it's a, when it's, you know, 24 hours before. Um, and, and maybe some people can say, Oh, maybe it doesn't pull off my squat. It doesn't pull off my, my deadlift. There's no doubt. We know how sensitive the bench press is to weight. There's no doubt that, uh, acute of a weight shift is going to, it's not going to make you stronger. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So we, I got a follow up question right now. So are you saying, because Leah was saying previously, Sheffy, she's going 69 kilo, which totally makes sense. It's a weight class up, no weight cutting, and the 69 kilo world record is lower than the 63. Um, so what the heck? You'd be crazy not to. So yeah. But are you saying that you bet Leah, whoever wants to jump in, that Leah is full on going 69 and not returning the 63 after Sheffield? So I, I don't think anybody can actually answer that because it's sort of a cliffhanger because as of right now, she hasn't been invited. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, Docky. Wouldn't yeah, that be well, the craziest so, if she didn't? So that again, would be insane. From, from my perspective. It's uh, true. You're that right. Would, that would not be the smartest business move by SBT. But um, but that's kind of going to be the, the, the main driving factor. Let's say she does. Let's just say she does because I'm – like I can't envision they're like, yeah, let's let's go move forward. But I think we'll we'll slot in other people besides Leah. Like, so let's say she does. Um, 
in terms of the 63 or 69, what's the pathway here? Well, I think you know which, which way I'm leaning, <laughs> but she's going to be the ultimate decision um, So it's hard. Like, I think it's more hard personally because I always have been a 63. So I have a kind of attachment to these, uh, like emotional stuff with the 63 weight class. But yeah, I think I just have to move on at some point and go 69 and not have to cut anymore. Uh, and I think I have more chance to have more progress now at 69 um, that I do at a 63 because I have to be honest, like it's going to be harder with times to, to cut because I'm, I'm building more muscles and I'm getting like heavier. At, at some point, <laughs> a, a, a cooked hot dog is fully cooked. <laughs> Turns into a jumbo hot dog. <laughs> it's more so a work I have to do on myself and with myself than anything. And I'm, I'm processing it for the moment, like to, to say, okay, now I'm really a 69 and I have to say goodbye to 63. And it's more so also something with, uh, I, I know some men struggle with that, but it's more so with women, like just know I'm going to put on weight, the, the number on the scale is going to be heavier and everything. It's just like mental, mental stuff I have to deal with. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just processing it. But yeah, soon I can say I will be a fully 69. Well, I'm, I mean, this is going to lead into an obvious segue for Taylor in a second here, but um, let me just I'm add. better on 83. But let, wait, 74.1, and he beats to, uh, rest uh, total. Well, okay. Taylor, what's up? Every Everybody, I'll have a follow-up question with you, Lee, in a second, but Taylor, what are your thoughts? Everyone I know we talked about before, but it comes around, Playboy, and it's it's come around again like a boomerang. What are we talking about here for future 83s? Uh, I love this debate. I love this kind of thought. Um, look, I, the, the, I think the easy question or the easy answer right now is I'm not moving up anytime soon. Um, one, because we're just making tremendous progress in, in 74 still, and it's not a, a, a hard cut at all to get down to 74. So I don't see a reason to jump up to 83 just yet. Um, there's still some, I think, unfinished business in 74s. Uh, I don't think Leah's done it, but I haven't officially totaled more than the next weight class above me. Mm. So that's that's certainly a, a goal of ours. Uh, it, it would be nice if we could like really do that in competition. Like, who's done that, especially on the men's side? No one. Um, so I, I think doing that, and then also just seventy four is, is is the is on my class, man. Like if I can prove that I can beat a weight class above me, like what's the point of even going up? It's like I'm just gonna. <laughs> That's a good um, point. That's a really good point. If you're like, all right, well, why don't I, can I do both yeah, at once? I, <laughs> now, I now maybe again, like, I don't, I don't know what the future holds. Right. I, I really don't. Um, but I, I think that we're definite. It's, it's a thought. It, I think one day it will happen. I just don't know when. Um, and it, it, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I really want to beat the eight because I didn't know I could 
until it happened that I could potentially beat the 83s as a 74. I didn't know that was even possible. So now that it's just, now it's a thought that is now in a, a reality. And I think that's kind of itched <laughs> my competitive side again. Uh, so I don't, I don't think I want to go to 83 just yet. And who knows? Um, but yeah, I think Sheff for sure Sheffield, because we have PA Nats right before Sheffield. I'll compete as a 74. Uh, we have Sheffield as 74 and then Worlds again as 74. So we'll quick see. question then. What about the thought of, um, and obviously, yeah, winning Worlds and then out totaling all the 83s would be crazy. But what a thought too, though, there are other competitions. And like Leah had suggested, if you weigh in like a light 83, you're not committing to 83 by any means. Weigh in as a light 83 and go for those world records officially. So when people look at the world records, they see 80, like, like, like Leah right now, Leah can raise her hand and be like, look, I'm the well, queen of the 69, 63s. What, what, uh, personally, I don't get invited to any meets anymore. That's crazy. <laughs> but I mean, I know, but you're going to collect all the checks. They'll be like, yeah, right. uh, like I, I was talking actually, when we, uh, we were shooting the winter launch for SBD and Jessica Bittner was here in New York city. And I was asking her, like, there were meets that she was getting invited to. And I'm like, where are these meets? Like, no one is inviting me. And then it, I put two and two together. I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I see. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'd run away with it. So um, <laughs> I think, I think you're sense. missing some of the necessary parts for that meet, though, that, that you didn't get invited to. Um, well, girl that power featuring Taylor. That, would, that, that would be interesting, Taylor. I mean, we we could you could enter as Taylorina Atwood. <laughs> well, picture picture this though. Picture like like there are Arnold Classics all over the place. You could pop up. I guarantee you, if you were like, I want to come to Arnold UK. Even Chance was thinking about going. He was going to go to Arnold UK. You could. There are meets. You have opportunities. Collect some checks. Have your flights and all how that. Do you, how do you? How do you get invited to? I don't think Arnold UK. I think if you show interest, if you see something and be like. Um, so no, it's a federation who who subscribe us. Like, yeah, for for some of those events, it's not the meet director invites you; it's the lifter enters. So I know for like USAPL, the Arnold's oh. always been very very difficult to get into. But for like the Arnold UK or Arnold Spain, it's much easier to get into, and you just talk to your federation and do it. Um, there's also like the Reykjavik Games in Iceland that like Kimberly Waffer and some people have done before, and you have to just like tell them you're interested, and they'll bring you in. Um, gotcha. For other stuff like Continentals, like North American Championship, then you have to, you know, get invited and selected for the team, just like World. So some of them are harder and some of them are easier. You could do it. Yeah, you okay. got options. Nobody's getting those. Arnold UK would not say no to you. They they would be like, oh, fuck yeah, let's let's rock and roll, young man. Can you imagine Jason. you and Leah both? I was Jason. just saying, I was just thinking next year, next year. <laughs> if you go 83, if you're like 83, um, a light 83. I mean, not committing to 83, but if you're like, I'm going 83 and let's just no cut at all, whatever. I'll, maybe a little buck. Maybe I'll eat a little good the last few weeks. <laughs> let's see what happens. Oh, Lord. But uh, I don't know. Would, would, would that entice you? Something like that? So I, yeah. after I think so. after um, Taylor totaled 812, he deadlifted 355 in the gym. 350. Or yeah, roughly three fifty. Yeah, yeah, and and after you totaled eight thirty eight, you benched two fifteen in the mm -hmm. gym. 
So I, I, I actually, I have no idea how it would go if Taylor went in at like 78 kilos. Um, he and right. I were, were, were... To, to that point, it was literally a, maybe a day or two after I competed that I did both of those lifts and yeah. I was still, I was still around 75 kilo, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is insane. And I, I yeah. I, so if it, to Jason's point, if we got like a full 12 week cycle in, um, competition cycle, I think just weighing normal, maybe around like 76, 77. Mm. Might, be might be, so might be, might be fun. It's you, definitely you, nice. Interesting. It's definitely an interesting idea because everyone's thinking like, oh, you have to have Taylor versus Russ. So you have to figure out who's going which direction and what meet you're going to do it at and like, you know, figure out all this coordinating. But what if you, like you said, at Worlds or whatever as a 74, total more than what the 83s win with and total more than what Russ's 83 world record is. Then you go to an international meet and you break the 83 kilo world record weighing 76 or 77. It's a good like starting process that maybe then will entice the head-to-head battle to happen. I mean, if you take the records, that'd be crazy, man. It'd be start becoming. And, and I looked it up to double check, and and Russ hit eight forty one when he did uh, a Worlds last year, and Taylor did eight thirty eight point five. So mm. you know, technically, if he goes all out at Sheffield or Worlds whenever he wants to, he could you know total more than eighty three kilo world record, weighing seventy four. And then if he just doesn't cut and whatnot, twenty twenty three could be the wildest. <laughs> Arnold UK, you know, whoever organized Arnold UK, if they hear this podcast, like, oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. They're going to be like, my man's getting an invite, first off. My man's getting an invite. <laughs> okay. Give up his bodybuilding prep sooner than he thinks. Yeah. And then Russ, like, I'm coming out of bodybuilding and we're going to rock and roll. I've got some announcements. Well, I, think, I think Russ has already said he, he's not uh, going to do the bodybuilding any, anymore because he got invited to Korea to do a meet. So I think he's doing that in North or South. Like a week or two. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's meeting up with Kim Jong Un, you know, and just hanging out with the guy. That's right. I seen this movie. Yeah, I, I heard. <laughs> I heard the same thing that he's not doing the bodybuilding show, and then him <clears throat> and Joey, maybe someone else, got invited to go out there, and so he's going to go compete. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he hits since he kind of like started the bodybuilding and then now switching back to power things. So I wonder if his strength is there, but in, in training, he's been hitting some big numbers. Yeah. He looks yeah, strong. The, the lifts are definitely there. I, I just don't know what his body weight's at. And, and, and Korea is a hell of a hike, man. Like that's a hell of a trip. Um, so there's other intangibles at play. And maybe he doesn't cut himself and he's like, fuck it. Let me show up as a 93, but here's the thing, man. You guys seen what happened to Ashton? They invited they invited Ashton out to Korea. Come on out. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. And they had some fucking monster waiting for him in the wings. And they're like, oh, by the way, did we fail to mention this fucking guy can out total you? It's going to come down to the last deadlift. You're going to win on body weight and have the fight of your life. Did we say that? Ashton would have been like, did you guys set me up? What's, who who was this guy? What, what happened here, man? He hadn't competed in like two years, so nobody else knew how good he was. I don't know, man. Watch it. There's this thing sneaky out sneaky there. Out there. I, I don't know how early Ashton went out there, but it seems like he did fine with the, the travel because his best total is 955, and he did 947.5 at the meet, nine for nine, and just pulled whatever he needed at the end to win on body weight. Yeah. Well, it was he, but they did, he, but they did have a killer weight in there for him. <laughs> Doggy, I don't know what's going on out there. They're inviting people that they know, like, is our 83 ready or what? 
And they're like, <laughs> he's ready. They're like, bring out Russ. And it's like, Russ, come ready. Come ready, Playboy. They're, they're not That's playing. That's interesting. I, I'm curious if he will cut. Because he looks big. He looks big, man. He looks big. Um, I mean, who knows? But if he just is like, let's have fun. Fuck it. Let's not do, let's not do a cut if we're flying out there. Maybe he's going to, maybe we see Russ as a 93, a small 93. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe he uh, told us somewhere around what uh, Chance One World's with. And maybe he's like, yo, as a, as a 90, you know, I can keep up with Kaiko and Chance and all them. I have, um, I want to, sorry, you I don't think you can describe Russ as a, a small anything then. Like, <laughs> no, I, sir. I remember in 2019, um, we had a, a Slovenian powerlifter at Worlds in the 83 kilo class. And he's a champion professional natural bodybuilder, this guy. Like, he's not just any natural bodybuilder, he's won shows. And Russ walked past him, and I was like, "Holy fuck!" Like it was, it was my. You lost your man for a minute there. Russ walked by and eclipsed me. Like where the hell did my boy go? Yeah, yeah. Behind Russ is crazy. (laughs) I think Russ would do just fine in the ninety threes. It would be pretty amazing to see, actually. So the the ninety threes are crazy competitive. Like that's one of the most stacked divisions. I I want to ask. So I want to ask Taylor. We got some more questions about twenty twenty three. But before I do that, um, and and it's gonna be good. Before I do that, I want to double back to Leah for a second here, talking about the sixty nines. Um, in terms of going that route, would you go full on in bulking mode? What would the pathway be? Or are you content to be like, look, I'll just stay a, a small 69? Because some of these 69s are like 71 kilo cutting. And that's that's big. Yeah. So I, I don't know about that. I don't think I will be a full 69 like soon because like my normal body weight is around 65, 66. If I don't like pay attention to my nutrition or whatever, and I just like, um, like be normal, it's, it's around 65 and 66. And if, if I go higher, I don't feel great in my body and I feel like heavy and not good. So for the moment, I think I'm going to stay around 65, 66 and I will go by, by here. Like we will see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> and, and, and so is the plan to move for the 69 kilo class, like at this world championships what what are we going to see you at 63 or 69 uh i didn't really think about it to be honest um because it seems like super far from now but uh i think i will be tempted to say 63 for carolite here because i want to beat her like officially in the international meet like like something like words but like i think i will be 69 it's far away, but I'll throw I'll throw an add-on question to Ryan's. Do you think the other French lifters as a national team will affect your decision? Like, if there already mm-hmm. is like a good sixty-nine, then you'll commit the sixty-three to help out the team. Uh, so actually, for the moment, I'm the only good sixty-three and sixty-nine can be on the international platform. For the moment, at world stage, at European there is a little bit of lifter, but not at world stage. Like, um, if you follow the criteria to to make to make it to the team, so I think I will have I, I will have the choice anyway um, for for that. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because like right now, yeah, the Corolla Gara business might not be totally over, right? Like she was a little injured for Arnold, 
you know, she, everyone's got a story. Maybe we could settle that. However, so you said you wanted to settle that with Corolla again, but on the flip side, you also said, I think I'll go 69. So I'm not sure. I wasn't sure which one. I don't think you know which yeah, one. She will be able to do to, to go 69 too, actually. So and she will be great too. <clears throat> what it really comes down to is how long Leah stays in America because she has mentioned multiple times on the portion size difference. Um, so ah, that's it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the temptations at every turn. Yeah, that's true. Listen, I'm not I'm not hating on uh, on French food. It's phenomenal, but the portion there's no joke. The portions are ridiculously different here. It's absurd. This is true, Playboy. I'm in Milwaukee yeah. right now, and 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 it's definitely true. Um, okay, now let's double back then to to my man Taylor for a second here. Taylor, we had we had um there's been a lot of heat on a potential Rondell Hunt clash. And you know, people are hypothesizing and throwing in the ifs. Oh my god, what if Rondell showed up at Sheffield? And this just if started coming out of nowhere, right? And Rondell just I, I don't know who threw it out there first with you know that if talk, this sports talk. And then Rondell hears it, runs with it, and he's like, Well, let me tell you what if. And Rondell's very confident. And um, and you had someone mention, all right, everybody's coming at the king. It is what it is. But first off, what are your thoughts on that? Then we can get into some number crunching if it was to happen. But what are your thoughts on all this? Uh, I think Jason should worry about the Microsoft Excel king because I, I think he's the what if statement master. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so like I, I think right now, um, Jason, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I got you, Taylor, and I, I have a sense of humor. Thank you, but um, I, I, I think, I think right now, um, people see Taylor on on Instagram as uh, someone who's going through a long rehab process. Who's um, maybe they they see him as, um, you know really injury prone or something like this. And the reality is that we've had numerous uh, hip issues, but we think we found the root of the problem working with his team of physical therapists. And, and we're just going through a slow and methodical and, and, and comprehensive rehab process to get him ready for Sheffield prep. So I think, um, when Ben and I started working with Taylor for the first time, I had already coached Taylor for, two years, but this is for anyone who thinks Taylor's going to show up off at, at the Sheffield. And Taylor had a back injury and hadn't trained for more than five workouts in like, um, I'd say three months leading up to USAPL nationals. People were picking him to, um, to get dethroned. Um, there were some other lifters in the 74 kilo class that were going to come up and beat him. And on Taylor's third squat, he heard a, a loud crack in his back as he was coming up out of the hole. And he made the squat. But then two minutes later, he was laying on the floor. He couldn't even stand up. He was in so much pain. He was laying on the floor in some private room. And we're having a talk with a chiropractor who was there that uh, ben, um, ben knew about pulling him out of the meat. And Taylor and his dad are like, there's no fucking way. So they found a way to basically put Taylor's belt around his SI joint. He was wearing it real low. And that, that allowed the 
stabilize something in that region that allowed him to continue. And um, it was absolutely crazy because he went from not even being able to stand up. He was in so much pain to, you know, three for three on bench, uh, passed out, smashed his face on the platform, uh, 75 kilos on the bar and warm up deadlift 600 pounds for the win 20 minutes later. So when his spine was about to fall out of his ass, he was still <laughs> there. You know? Is that medical? Um, so like, yeah, have some faith in the man. Cause he's, he's always shown up consistently. That was a hell of a fucking story, oh, dude. Ben, you gotta Ben wait. is Ben is is a uh he can back this up. Yeah. Uh he was there. Like, that was quite he, quite an entry point into my um my collaboration with uh Miller <laughs> and Scott Atwood. <laughs> yeah, that was the first time we had ever met. And that yeah. was the first Talk time about hitting I, the floor running. Or hitting <laughs> the floor with your face. <laughs> or or his ass as it I was bleeding on my cheek from falling. Uh wow. and my my mother she came, she came after the meet, we were done. And I still had some dry blood on my uh, face. And she's like, Hey, you got some jelly. On your <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, and she touched it. And I was like, ow, shit, that hurt. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I was like, I guess I was bleeding. Uh, so yeah, that, that was an interesting story. She's like, were well, you like, hugging these one twenties with the jelly um, all over your face? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, look, I think Jason uh, summed it up pretty well, but just coming from my perspective, it's like, have I not done enough? <laughs> I guess not. Uh, I, I'm the first fucking person in, in powerlifting history to ever go over 600 uh, dots. Uh, I broke every untested world record at 75. Um, <laughs> like, like I, what else do I have to do? For these people to stop uh, thinking that they can somehow dethrone me or beat me and throw all these what if scenarios. Um, <laughs> to, but I, I, to I don't think defeat us. I don't think that's ever going to stop because that's being at the top, right? Like mm. when Roger Bannister ran a, a four minute mile and we started to see more four minute miles, you see what kind of effect it has. And once you set the bar, people are going to close in on it because it's a yeah. new target and you give a man motivation and he'll get it. Right. There's a status in that as well as if you could be the person to say, I beat Taylor, which I think, you know, there's a side of me that thinks that that's laughable, but also in, in the age we live in, I, I understand what, what people are trying to do with that. But um, if I may get on the soapbox for a minute or so. Uh, <laughs> soapbox I, is yours, sir. I think that. What's fascinating, um, without getting too deep into my uh, ebb and flow of, of, of kind of being in and out of powerlifting coaching and, and now being fully back in, um, <clears throat> I was shocked to see how dramatically it changed in just two years, meaning like, uh, I guess I'd say the paradigm of what people see as, as proper and good training and then the expectation of um, what what is effective training and what that means. And I think a lot of people set the bar of a, a effective training of, of hitting gym PRs and, and being good in the gym and not necessarily, uh, and then the meat comes and they don't perform up to that gym level. And all they have really is a lot of excuses. They're, they're not doing what they should be, what they think they should be doing because of the gym. And I think 
of course, I, I have my own, uh, I'm biased. I'm, I'm involved with the strength guys. Um, uh, we, we obviously have a certain style that's been associated with us for programming. Um, but I think, uh, you know, if you put the programming aside and, and you're, you're no longer comparing, you know, the spreadsheets and stuff like that, I think you have to look at the people. And uh, from my experience of involvement with, with people like, like Leah, like Taylor, and, and like people like Lane, who's not an open anymore, but I think it's a personality. Um, I would never count those people out. And I think a lot of, you know, I think it's good for business, obviously, to, to have lifters of that status. But the reality is people think it's just the program and it's not. There's, there's the belief um, and then there's the willingness. And I think it seems that there's this new expectation that I'm going to be able to beat the champion without working as hard as the champion. And to me, that's comical. Um, I mean, you look at any elite level sport, um, look at someone like Tom Brady, look at what Kobe did, like injuries are part of that process. You have to push because you're on a, you're on a timeline and you're trying to beat everybody else or, or stay one step ahead of everybody else. Um, so I think to, to bring it back to kind of the point is uh, I've been able to see uh, on the inside, the willingness of at least the three athletes I mentioned. And that's why I would never, ever count them out because Talk is cheap. You can say whatever you want, but man, look at the the records and and the history of performance. And um, that's not just because of an effective program. That's because of someone willing to do the boring shit day in, day out, consistently. Because man, like training can suck a lot. Like a lot of periods of time, it can suck, and it's not always the most exciting thing to do. And it, you're not always going to go in amped up and pumped up and be able to you know post a PR every week. But dude, I think these are great testaments to that is like, you know, there's long game versus the short game, right? Uh, and at least for me, when I look even outside of powerlifting, I would much rather have a Belichick type record than a Sean McVay record. <laughs> well, what is your, your thoughts on, I remember like a couple of years ago, Taylor, I had you on in, I think that episode was called The Last Dance. And we were kind of talking about, you know, <laughs> all right. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. We'll start looking at closing this out. I'll make my statements. How are your thoughts now? Because as, as you do get older and then, no, look it. Oh, it looks like I still got some people to silence. Oh, look, some new challenges come. Oh shit. Sheffield's here now. And like, there's always something else. Right. Um, so what are your thoughts here? Are you like, what are your thoughts on the future? Or do you start telling yourself, you know, at some point I'll check out and move forward. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. <clears throat> it seems like every time I'm potentially thinking, just even thinking about just retiring, something comes up <laughs> and makes me want to stay in the sport. So uh, <laughs> Sheffield, for example, that came out of nowhere. Uh, once I once I hit the 838 and a half, um, I was like, what else do I have to prove to everyone? But then I had the Sheffield coming up and I was like, well, once the Sheffield's done, maybe I'll hang it up. Sheffield gets pushed out a year. <laughs> so it's like, it just keeps, it, there's something, I don't know. And I'm going to go back to when I first, got, I think ever got on this podcast. I was, uh, I think I mentioned powerlifting. I didn't find powerlifting. Powerlifting found me. And 
there's just something that's continuing to keep me in this sport. So I'm going to ride the wave as long as I can. Um, I don't, I don't think that there's, I, I, if I can do what Dave Ricks is doing and, and be competitive at his age or even lifts the amount of weight that he's lifting, like shit, I'll, I'll be doing this until I'm well in my sixties. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Uh, well, first off, that'd be amazing. And like, yeah, David Ricks, my man, 63 years old, doing 772 and a half as a yeah, 93, it's whatever. It's insane. it's insane. The guy doesn't fade. Um, Because I can't picture myself what it would be like being what you are right now and what you mean to this community and your stature within, et cetera. And then being like, cool, I'm good. Going back to a normal life. And just being like, I don't know, but that's a huge trade-off and swap-off, right? And knowing, like, man, I can still be shifting some weights here. I can still, like, I haven't, just walking away. You know, just being like, okay, I'm going to cap it and walk away. Because there is always another, life goes on. You wake up the next day and you get out of bed and you're like, the fuck am I going to do? What am I doing today? I'm not 9 to 5. I'm not just Joe 9 to 5. Right. Like I can't, I can't picture it. I don't know. Can you picture it? Like, I think when you're in the grind, you picture being not having to grind, but when you're not grinding, you're like, fuck me. Am I a normal person now? (laughs) I think I've had a great team around me to keep me uh, at least level-headed and, and, and somewhat humble. Uh, They ain't doing a good job. (laughs) 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 Who job is that? So I, I think that, um, look, powerlifting isn't, this is one thing I think I've done a great job at is I haven't made powerlifting my all and and go to, right? Like I have a full-time job. I have a career outside of powerlifting, very successful career. Um, I also have a family. So there's, there's just a lot of things outside of powerlifting that God forbid, if I ever got a career ending injury, I I would be fine. Honestly, I think, um, I, I don't know for sure. I'd certainly be calling people a lot to make sure my mental game was okay. Uh, and be okay with not being the best anymore. But listen, I I know I'm not going to be able to be the best one day. Uh, when that day comes, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know if it'll motivate me anymore. If I'll get on my soapbox, I don't know. I don't know, but I just know that I'm, I'm reveling in all the success that we have, that we we've been able to bring as a team and that I've been able to bring individually. And I'm hoping to really, I was talking about this to someone else, what I'm really hoping to give to these younger, the younger generation and the younger lifters is that one, the the level that I'm trying to push you, that's why I'm continuing to do this. But also two, the level of professionalism that it takes, I don't think anyone has done yet. Uh, I think we were kind of the the pioneers from bringing a professional aspect into powerlifting where I have a a coach, um, I have a meet day handler, I have, those were like, okay, those were the the two things that everyone probably had as a powerlifter. But then I'm bringing in a nutritionist. 
I'm bringing in the best physical therapist. I'm bringing in a mental, uh, like mental state coach with my dad. So I kind of went outside of the normal, I just need a coach and a game day handler. I kind of, okay, well, nutrition, I, I had a tough time making weight uh, or at least recomp after weigh-ins. And we hired, uh, Jason hired Kedrick and Kedrick did a great job after 2019 nationals. And I had like, we're 73, six, 73, seven on the dot before weigh-ins. I'm able to drink, eat something before weigh-ins. And then after I'm able to really just do whatever I like. So I think the level of professional, the two things that I really want the younger generation is I'm pushing you to make sure that you're pushing past barriers. And then number two, bring professionalism into powerlifting. Don't just wing it. Uh, because I, I think that's kind of our differentiator as, as the strength guys in general. 100%. When you came on the podcast, it was you, it was Jason and um, the one the you know, the famous one, when you, the famous line, um, don't come and talk to me when we're in a competition, don't bring me cookies. Don't whatever. I'm not here. I'm, to, not I'm here, here to, to beat be you. Yeah. I'm here. To, I'm not here to be a friend. I'm here to beat you. And it was like, Oh shit. And there was a go mentality. That thing blew up, but you talked about in that podcast and dude, I had so many people in my DMS actually Ben, you, you say lane. I remember lane was one of the people in my DMS send me voice messages. Like, yes, yes. That's the, that's the one in that podcast. Um, I actually want to talk about the lane Norton comeback as well, Ben, but we'll put a pin in that for a second, but staying in the pocket here, Taylor. Um, you're right. Like on that podcast, you've spoken about how, like, you look at some of the other camps and you're like, man, before 838, I feel like people would be making fun of how many, how many fucking people does he need back there with him? How many coaches does he need? How many, you know, it's all overdone and blah, blah, blah. And then 838 happens and all of a sudden, like the proof is in the pudding. Numbers don't lie. And you're like, now do you want to ask me how? And it's like, this is why. It's not intuitive. It's not, no, it's data points, you know, like the strength guys. And we're going to get into the programming, obviously, gentlemen, but collecting data points on like how is sleep, the nutrition, um, all the different weights aren't just chosen on whims though. Like you're, you're, it's moving and flexing, collecting data points to like how many different people you have in your team, right down to the game day scouting reports to everything, man. And when people, even like I talked about on some podcasts about sometimes you see, people drop the ball in terms of handling and like, Oh fuck, they actually misloaded that. Or, oh shit. They didn't, they're not realizing that like the, with the lot number and then the attempt changing and this, they had to go first, what all this kind of stuff. I'm like, can you picture, can you picture the strength guys making mistakes like this though? It's hard. Everyone makes mistakes, but if ever, like it's very difficult to picture the strength guys making those mistakes. Right. And so to your point in terms of professionalism, it's very difficult, man. And, um, and yeah, I think there was a lot of talk after that podcast in particular. I had other coaches that I won't even say, but big coaches who were like fucking talked about leveling up afterwards. I mean, like, all right, game on then. Okay. And other people being like, it, it, you made some huge statements and people came into the podcast to hear after I dropped that video of you saying it. And then um, it, I think, I think the repercussions are, it's going to take a little bit for people to catch up, right? It always does. Like um, I can tell you right now when, when uh, the Toronto Raptors came to Canada, it was entirely Americans and Canada's national team sucked. 
20 years later, Ken has got a national team for really real because it takes time, right? For, for it to catch on because all these Canadians are watching basketball now, boom, now you have some talent in the future. I think you started talking like that and you've been talking like that, but 838.5 hasn't, isn't that long ago. So people are starting to just, but do you guys think strength guys, Taylor, uh, Lee, all you guys, whoever wants to answer, do you guys think the game is starting to level up? Do you see indications that people are like, all right, we're not, they're not there yet, but some people are starting to take it more seriously. Uh, I see some, um, the guiding, uh, idea of how I'm building TSG now is I'm trying to think about, um, the athletes problems and what resources or what professionals they need to help solve those problems. Because if you have, you know, if you have a hip injury and you can't squat or deadlift as much because your hip is injured it's easy to say that my hip injury is limiting me from performing like I can. But if you have a history of making self-defeating decisions as, as a meat gets closer, because maybe the the pressure, the anxiety gets to you. It's, it's, it's not so easy to say, Hey, I'm actually beating myself with my decision-making and that's why I'm not performing up to my standard. But I think this is something that, um, athletes need to embrace as well because working with a mental coach is is very normal in other sports and um it can be it can be very helpful and uh i think this is it's not it can be a mental health thing but it's it's really not it's about your performance and and this is something that um taylor's dad has done really well with taylor and um I think our, our new mental skills coach at, at TSG, um, Brittany Russell, has, has done really well with Leah as well, is to, to help them to build not only a physical approach towards uh, the sport, but also a mental approach that helps them to kind of engage. Um, we've trained a lot, of, a lot of athletes, and obviously Taylor and Leah are um, two of the best, and, and Ben has trained uh, Lane as well. And there's a, a special kind of uh, mental gear that they have that the others who fail to reach that level do not have. And um, yeah, I, I just think like if you're looking at what is in the best interests of athletes, well, optimize nutrition. Cause I think there is enough science to say that there's uh, some, some really good ways to make weight and some really bad ways to make weight and, and optimize the mental approach and optimize the training, um, optimize the physical therapy process, get them back into sport as fast and as healthily as possible. And um, these are the things that I think about when I'm making company decisions and it's all to surround these two and, you know, or every other client that we have with, these resources that I think they need. And um, also you had mentioned too, uh, Taylor was worth noting as a good note. You were like, um, I know everybody sees me as like a power lifter and because like, that's yeah, I'm with the powerlifting community and, and you are who you are in powerlifting. Right. But you're like, keep in mind, like I got a day job. I got a family. Like you're probably like 85% of your day is non powerlifting related. It is true. We forget like, no, but my man, day in day you have probably so much going on in your life like all those things you're doing at work with and, and with your family life and everything that is 
nothing to do with it that we're just like, what would Taylor do if he, man, he's probably got a, a shitload. It would just be, it's just, we'd still see you this way, right? Because we just see the powerlifting side, but it does make sense. Like, like for every Superman, there's the Clark Kent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I'm starting up my YouTube channel. So if you guys are interested in following the, the journey of Taylor Atwood plug, uh, you can subscribe. But I want listen, I, I, I want to give people more of that side of my life because I've been so uh, so reserved in that aspect because I didn't want people to. All right. So I was actually talking about this to someone and I really believe this. So I, I look at all the influencers on any social media platform that are like lifestyle vloggers or. Uh, share every aspect of their life on social media. And as a subscriber, you are now almost emotionally connected to them because they're sharing literally everything. So for instance, some people have families and they're sharing like uh, Roman Atwood. I don't know if you know uh, Roman Atwood, uh, but he's a huge YouTuber um, and he's showed literally his- You like him because of the last name, don't you? Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but he 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 showed his entire life of his first kid and now they're just grown so you've literally seen them grown up online and as a subscriber that's like huge i feel like i'm also almost a part of the family you know so if i ever met roman um even though he's this youtube star like one i'd never get starstruck but nonetheless if like i ever met him i feel like i'm connected to him now in the fitness world, in the competition and competitive world, I look at that as a chink in someone's armor. Mm. I look at it as when I, for instance, and this is no shade to Russ. When I saw Russ, like I didn't, I wasn't intimidated by him. I wasn't um, like he, he didn't star. I didn't get starstruck. None of that. Right. It was like I just saw him as another human being. But it was because I was following his journey online and he shared so much of his life. I just felt like I was, in, I was one of his boys already. But from my perspective, I talked to many people and they're like, why don't you share more of your life on, on Instagram or whatever it may be? I looked at it as a competitive advantage. The first, you don't know me. You, you don't know who I am outside of the competitor, Taylor. So if I'm portraying myself online as that competitor, when you meet me, that's all you know. Mm. So there's an intimidation factor already happening without me even entering a room. And that's where I think I had a lot of uh, competitive advantage over anyone, not just physically, but mentally now. And I still think that I do. I, I live rent free in a lot of weightlifters' minds. And it's been... I think that competitive advantage that has helped us tremendously. Like when you go into the warm-up room, we have a presence. The the team has showed up and we're here to crush everyone that's in our way. And I, I, I and like you can feel it. If you're a competitor, th there's no fucking chance. Like after Worlds in 2019, <laughs> I'll never forget it. I've never seen Jason so fucking hyped after a, a squat attempt. 
he said like and it's on on the video i'll have dude to... he was crying when you won i don't know if I'm sorry jason but it's true <laughs> <laughs> i remember he was put that, crying put that away put that away <laughs> i'm sorry but i'll he... clip this i'll clip it sorry Aaron. after <laughs> after after the third squat 283 uh we came in the back room ben met me he was like pumped up but then jason like hugged me and he starts walking back and he just let out this like Rah! what Jason? i've never i've never what? seen that much emotion from jason before and it was it just like hyped me up but you could feel the energy like it was just like we're and that was against kel right like mm-hmm. he beat the shit out of us the year before and we we're like dude we're coming to crush everyone's soul we're not leaving any fucking survivors and like you could like ben was like you just felt it you felt it and we just had the momentum and you even talked about it in 2016 uh when you feel the momentum and you just it, it's there like you can you can tell it's there and we just had it uh, and i think that's been a huge key for us uh, as a team and i still think it's a competitive advantage for us but long story short <laughs> um or short story long uh really long <laughs> i I, I want to share more because I have more endeavors that I'd like to uh, go down from a business aspect. And I just want to share my life and share experiences with the audience to allow them uh, kind of a sneak peek as to what goes through my mind, how I live my life, and let them know that you can do it as well. As long as you do certain things, um, I, I think you can have a certain level of success, maybe not the same success that I've had because certainly genetics play a part uh, that some people don't have. Uh, But nonetheless, you can still reach a certain level by following certain steps and taking certain actions. So that's what I want to share with everyone. I got a couple things. Sorry. Before we move on, I want to try to tie it back to your original question there because you asked if, if it seems like it's getting more competitive. And I think it ties in perfectly to everything that, that Taylor talked about and, and, and I ranted about a little bit prior to that, um, which is I, I do think things are getting more competitive because you see more people getting in the game. You see more coaches getting traction. You see more people wanting to win. But the way I see it, if you don't want to win, that's a prerequisite to just be involved. So you're no different if you want to win. You need to win. And when you're talking about the things that that Taylor's talking about, and I've seen from these other people I mentioned, Lee included, is it's habits of the elite. And people just see the programming and the lifting. They don't see every other part, which is building every tiny advantage you can, and then exploiting that in any possible way. And you literally just heard Taylor tell the story of that. And to me, it's an extension of a personality, or it's an extension of being a competitor or being competitive. So I think if you just want to win, I would argue you probably don't even have a chance. Like it, it's got to be part of you. And you have to be, again, going back to what I said prior, um, it has to drive you to do things that other people just wouldn't want to do or where other people will quit before they, they're required to, to get to that level. And I think that's why, <clears throat> I think there's, of course, like Taylor said, there's genetic factors and other stuff like that. But I think grit is something and, and this is something I'm aware of when you talk about success and life achievement, uh, there's research on it. it. It's not your inherent IQ or, you know, financial prospects. The one number one separating factor 
uh, between populations and success is grit. And I think that massively applies here. Um, and, and I think that's why you can put multiple people on the same programs um, and you'll have outliers. It's not just genetics. I think it's also, um, it, it, there's, there's a mental part to it hundred percent. And I think, you know, in our conversations prior with Taylor, uh, the, he, he immediately believed. And that is such a big part because fuck, if you have to go in and train hard and you don't believe, why even doing it? Do you know what I mean? Like you've, you've already failed before you've started. Like you have to believe that doing something that's crushing is going to lead to a better endpoint. If not, you've already quit. Um, so anyway, to get back to the original point, I do think things are getting more competitive. I think that's great. I think that's great for powerlifting as an industry. I think that's great for coaching because it makes everybody really have to be on their game. But I think what you see is it's almost like a, um, like a fractal where like you see Taylor's success and you see Taylor's uh, habits and how he's trying to build every advantage. And actually, you know, that's true of our philosophy as well, is we are looking to build every single advantage possible. So like you said, if someone misses or someone makes a mistake, you better be goddamn sure we're going to capitalize on that. Yeah. They're going to. Sorry to say too about that. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I started with TSG one year ago and had that conversation, especially with, with Ben, but also with Jason. And well, Taylor, if you didn't know, <laughs> uh, you are a big inspiration to me. And, um, and yeah, so I was talking about that with, with them. And Ben, ben told me, but you don't imagine what Taylor does in order to be where he is. And nobody knows. And... And I think nobody realized like when, so Jason told me when you got injured, like he said, he was doing his rehab during every day, how many hours he needed to do it because I'm very bad with it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. And I'm like lazy to do it when, and so Jason told me that and I was like, fuck, okay. <laughs> okay. And Ben told me after the story, because I was not involved in powerlifting when, when you were already. And he told me about the story that you lost uh, at, it was first nationals. It was a national awards, I don't remember words. It's like Arnold. you lost awards, you bombed out at- No, the Arnold. At the Arnold. And yeah, so he told me the story about the failure because before you became the terror that I would, I know, but when I started powerlifting already. And I was like, fuck okay i still have work to do <laughs> you you know serious true okay i'm gonna double back this one sec but when i was when natalie richards who is a phenomenal lifter um was at usapl nats and everybody's like she's the next she's next she's like the next big thing and um and she just as a 57 put up a 50 like 57.3 or whatever put up a 501 kilo right she bombed out at usapl nats and I know how hard it is when that shit hits the fan, man. I've seen it, been around the block. I, I shot her a message. I was like, how you doing? And she's like, you know, whatever. It's tough. It's not great. And I was like, um, you know, Taylor Atwood, you know what he is right now. And then I actually said exactly what you said, Leah. I was like, do you know before Taylor became Taylor that he bombed out at Arnold's? Do you know before Taylor became Taylor 
he went to Worlds and was like, I'm going to do this, I'll do that, and like lost Gajel and had to come back to defeat the same guy, and like it was a rivalry, and now he's moved so far past that. Um, you know, people don't even know that was like a, another, that's like a different career. It's like different Taylor people like Taylor. Yeah. Taylor, this is what happened, man, for Taylor to get where he is now. People come into the game after the fact, like, like yourself and like Natalie Richards. And she was like, I just pictured him as always whooping ass and whatever. I was like, I gotcha. And then, uh, but so I tell people, like, I use that as like, uh, if you, you find a stumble, you take an L that's that's nothing a lot of these people who are on top right now have, have been there and then for you leah it, this will be the same conversation in like two or three years when people are like fuck leah's like multiple time world champion different weight classes the whole nine i am some point i'm going to tell some kid that's going to have a rough day do you know what happened in 2022 worlds and then yeah. when leah did when she was arnold classic came around leah's like we're going 63 you could go 69 <laughs> We're going 63, you know, and, and and like you could wait. We're doing it at Arnold's. We're going to wrap this up. Like this is the comeback stories that people like. Oh, someone okay. that motivated as well. I will never stand in their way, especially an athlete of that caliber. Even if it's logically not the thing I'd recommend <laughs> doing when that passion is there, you're willing to move mountains with that passion. Right. There's and, something and, about and, that. Sorry, go ahead. There is. Um, and then the other thing, I think it just circles back to what Jason said, because it's, it's so uh, perfect, the timing of, of what we're talking about is, I think you need to know when you have to get out of your own way. And like a trip up is fine. And I think that's what makes you be more inspired by any role model is when you see them be human and trip up, and then they make a better decision and they come back for it and they're better. And I think Jason said it perfectly is when people kind of sequentially keep underperforming and they keep making the same decisions that got them there and they keep getting back what they've been getting. Um, so I think it's a testament to, uh, to, to both of them here and, and, and any lifter who's able to do that is that finally, like, I know, I don't know, I need help. And, and also, this, oh, is, go ahead, yeah. this is when you see real champions too, because when I, so when I meet weight on, uh, at the at, at words, um, I had a lot of support. But I have a lot of people, and even like people in the community, like real like high profile athletes that shitted on me, like talking shit about me. And I and I know yeah, I didn't. They shitted on me. I, <laughs> I, did, on me. <laughs> I didn't say anything on my social media about it. Like I didn't repost it. I didn't say. But I think Ryan, you know who I'm talking about, and. <laughs> But there is other people like high profile athletes like Taylor or Russ or other athletes that reach out and say, don't like it's happened. It's happened to us. It did happen to us like at some point and and it's OK. Like don't. And I remember something Taylor had uh, wrote me uh, through DMs. He, he said, remember who you are. And and like this is at this moment, like you see real champion. Like they know what is going through hard moments, and you you see like the one who doesn't have a mentality of real athletes and real attention. Yeah, <laughs> some some people show the their character. So the thing I wanted to add to that was um, when Taylor lost in 2017. Um, I realized that I was was uh, limiting him because I made some incorrect decisions in his training. You know. 
Um, previously up to that point, Taylor was getting a lot stronger. I've trained Taylor since he started powerlifting really. Um, and making connections and associations that training with higher volumes leads him to, to strength gains, but not realizing that at the Arnold, you know, like before that Arnold prep where Taylor bombed, he squatted 272 and a half in the gym, but the standards were debatable and that was in the gym. Right. So this is, this is a mistake that I'm like, wow, like we, we really didn't see that at the Arnold. So we have to adjust. And, and then um, whenever I, I tried to add in a day of, of frequency to, to add a uh, training volume into Taylor's program prior to 2017 worlds, we'd have an issue come up. And, and this was in, in my, um, in hindsight, I, I think it's, uh, I wasn't adding in the day in the best way. Cause when you add a day of training and you add a lot of training volume and training stress in, and you really have to ease into that with people, uh, or make sure that they're really ready before you do it. And I, I don't think Taylor was really ready. So Taylor got hurt and I was like, well, maybe the answer for, for Taylor isn't, um, continuing to pump up the volume because he's not tolerating it. Like this is a roadblock. In reality, it was a false roadblock. It wasn't a barrier. It was actually the solution. It was just going to take some creative problem solving to access that. And um, so I trained Taylor under the mindset that so long as he is recovered and ready for each training session for 2017 Worlds, uh, the result should be um, should be better because I knew Taylor had an amazing amount of talent. Um, I think when he signed up and, and I put him through like a six week program that was really high volume on deadlift. And he added like 70 pounds to his deadlift or something. I'm like, Holy fuck. Like this guy could total 1800 pounds. I joked to someone on my staff. He actually like, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, he, it's, it's, it's not a joke. It's, it's real. But so Taylor showed up to, to worlds and he was, um, slightly stronger on squat than the previous year, but like an unacceptable amount of strength gain for someone of Taylor's potential and bench press. He's weaker. It's five kilos weaker. He missed uh, the same weight that he hit at the previous worlds. And then deadlift, we had an injury when I tried to ramp up the training volume prior to uh, worlds. So it just wasn't good. And we got our butts kicked. And so after that meet, we had a, we had a really hard conversation and, um, at the time I was really into traveling and I, I, I went, um, I was in Croatia sitting on the beach with my journal and, um, I was doing a lot of work in strength and conditioning at the time. And, um, I actually, I talked to a few different NBA teams about like strength and conditioning and sports science shops that summer. And I, I laid out my options on the table. And what I, what I came up to was, uh, I'm holding Taylor back because I, I made some incorrect decisions. At the time, I didn't know what those decisions were. I just knew he was capable of more. And I, I wrote in my journal that Taylor is going to hit these numbers at Raw Nationals. Like I weighed out the pros and cons of folding the strength guys and just going to a job in professional sports. And I decided I, I can't quit. I, I have to stay in this. So I, I had my pros in one column, my cons in another, and and the pros of of gritting this out as much as I fucking hated it um, far outweighed the cons, you know. And I was like, I can't take the easy way out, but I don't know the solution. And, and this is where I'm going with this: is um, I think there's a lot of ego 
in this world with uh, social media and and especially in sports. Um, but and I, I don't know what it would have taken for Taylor to fire me as a coach had I not done what I did. But I realized that I didn't know the answer. And so I reached out to someone who did. And that was that was when I brought Ben in and we started coaching Taylor together for that Raw Nationals. And and so that was that was the turning point for us because Ben uh, brought a model of thinking that made a lot of sense to me with the ideas that I had around training. And it allowed me to actually start applying the scientific method to my client programs, not just for Taylor, but for everyone. And the benefit of for Taylor was it took him from, you know, 7.30. Really, he was stuck at 7.30 for a year, if you can imagine. You know, like he can't, he's a good second place athlete, but he's not a good first place athlete. And then now he's at 8.38.5 with this training system. So um, I think part of it is an amazing amount of grit and, and um, mental makeup from both Leah and Taylor that, makes them as successful as they are. Uh, but also I, I think it was essential for me to get out of his way. Uh, and just, we need to, we need to find the answer here because that's the most important thing. I think some people don't first off. Yes. Social media. Some people feel like they have to have all the answers and it's far more. You're actually a way better asset to, Everybody who looks up to you and counts on you, if you're that guy or girl who could be like, I need to outsource some of these answers. I need to reach forward. I need to build a team to get you the proper answers. And I will do that. I, if I'm more confident with somebody. If I go to you and I need some help and you're like, I'll put together the team and I'll make sure. And if I'm like, how do I know you're going to? Because I'll grab everybody I need to. And I'll quit myself with all the tools I need to. If I don't have the answer, I'll find it. Then if I approach somebody and they're like, I got you. I know everything. I got it all covered. I'm like, and that doesn't work anymore. Nobody believes that shit anymore. But there are some people who try to do it all. Who are like, I'm the best handler. I'm the best, you know, whatever. All of it, right? Where it's like some people, it just doesn't work like that. Um, so it's incredibly like, and it's very honest that you do when you talk. First off, Jason, let me just say, dude, from the first time you came out to King of the Lives to like now, your storytelling and how you can open up is fucking like so crazy how far you've come with all of it. Uh, so hats off to you, but very honest of you to say, like you thought about, it. you were teetering that moment, 2017, you almost pulled yourself out of the game. Like, can I do this? And even thought about like, I don't know what it would be for Taylor to fire me, but I'm getting close. Like you were thinking like, holy shit, I don't know. And for you to be like, I need to, if I'm staying in, I got to level up and I got to, I got to, it's not about me and my pride and be like, oh, do research and figure like, I got to. It's not about me, man. It's if I got to level Taylor up, what do I best do? And that's when, when people start thinking like that, that's when things start moving forward. Right. Um, and you're right. I don't right. That's so the, the story he just told is, is why I'm here is, is why I'm part of the strength guys. I mean, because I, I, I do think it, it's bigger than any one individual who's involved. Um, I think there's a greater purpose. And I think for something to really survive and break barriers, you have to have a greater purpose than, than the self. Because otherwise, like you guys said about the statue, you're building statues of yourself and that's it. That's your main focal point. Um, and what's funny is just because I think these are interesting anecdotes to kind of pepper in with, with the story that, that Jason told, which um, it's funny because now some of the things that came up 
in conversation, they might all sort of click more. Uh, so when I saw Taylor at that nationals, the one where he passed out on the deadlift warm up, um, and that was kind of my first involvement of getting involved with with Taylor and also working together with Jason. I remember the meet was over. Ironically, the meet was in Scranton, so like literally five minutes away from where I live now, and um, everything was winding down. We were behind the curtain in the warm-up room, and I just said to a man, I don't know when, but I know we're going to work together at some point. And then when he called me and we had that conversation after Worlds, uh, he was just, just like he did there, he was just explaining everything, putting everything on a table. And I just said, no, why don't we do it together? Like, it wasn't even like a thought. I was just like, why don't we just do this together? And um, I, and then I remember after Taylor, funny enough, after Taylor won uh, his first world title in Calgary, we all were having a celebratory uh, cigar that Taylor had the after effects from because we couldn't, <laughs> we are, Totally in case we could, we might be able to write programs, but we cannot light a cigar. Um, uh, I just said to Jason, man, like, I just want to take over the world together with in this facet, because uh, for me, I'm inspired by that because just like Jason said in this space, dude, like the reality is it's a very saturated space of alpha males and I have nothing against alpha males, but obviously what goes with that is ego. And I think ego is essential as the athlete, you have to believe that you can run through a wall, even if that wall is Fort Knox. But at a certain point, intellectually, when you're trying to find the answer and you're trying to find truth, ego can can blind you. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually had conversations, funny enough, like people, uh, some other coaches would come up and like kind of float the idea of getting involved. Because for me, I was going to I was going to be done coaching because I was trying to you know make De Novo work. And, um, they were like, uh, they were talking about, you know, what, what is TSG? What is, what is, what do you get paid there? And I just said, dude, it's not about the money. Like I'm here for the people. Um, because I believe still, and the reason I'm still here, uh, is I believe that we can, that we have something and that something is not an Excel spreadsheet. It's a belief system. It's the people. Um, and as more people have gotten involved because Arian has gotten no love here and he deserves it. Um, as more people have gotten involved, the right people have, have been placed. And I still think that momentum is happening. Uh, Cause ultimately, just like Taylor said, like for me, I had an idea of programming, just like when I make a formula, it's an idea. At some point, the person is not going to live anymore. That idea needs to live on. And I think the way I looked at it is like, who is the right person to share this idea with? Because everybody, I knew other people would want it, but not everybody would treat the idea like an infant that needs to be taken care of and, and support it and nourish it. And, um, since the day I got involved, I never questioned that, that TSG and, and, and Jason and, and everybody involved are those people. And also because of the things that are still happening in order to keep pushing the idea and challenge the idea forward. I think people think that we have a crystallized concrete view of programming, and that is actually no further from the truth. Um, or that's, that's extremely far from the truth. The, the reality is just like Jason mentioned, scientific method is we have a hypothesis. Every person we work with, we are testing that hypothesis. So, and there is not a 100% success rate. Um, but we are trying to get it as close to that as possible. And if you can, um, imagine like I'm sitting on this beach in Croatia, just 
fucking depressed, you know, and I actually, I write a list of, of coaches that I'm going to refer Taylor out to, you know, if, if I, Jesus, man. Company, I would again, love to you know, see that list. And I, I met this level and it burned now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It is actually burned. I, I <laughs> Cause, cause, can you imagine <laughs> people in my DMs? Like, was I on that list? <laughs> and, yeah, no. and is that still there? If things get wonky. Uh, <laughs> and um so i i i'm thinking about like i need help but but who should i get help from and so now i'm 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 like one foot in like i'm just going to be a strength and conditioning coach and work in the nba because i thought that was really cool at the time and or i'm i i need help and i need to figure it out from someone who knows what they're doing and, and i'm like well who do I think actually knows what they're doing the best? So, so now I'm like one foot out the door in powerlifting and I'm trying to evaluate who I think knows what they're doing the best. And, and for me, this brought me back to, and it's, it's, it's no offense to anyone who I, I don't say, but it brought me back to Ben because uh, Ben was regularly bringing clients to meets who were going eight or nine out of nine. They were kicking butt. They were making excellent progress and it seemed like they had something different in that camp that nobody else had. And I still think they do, even though for some reason the community has gravitated more and more towards a hyper-specific high-intensity approach to training. When I think that um, since Ben has been working with Lane, uh, if you apply this model of thought in the right way, I think, of course, it's not a 100% success rate, but I think it's the best system out there. So I, I call Ben up and... and um, he shares this with me. And I, I think from that point where I, where I was, I was almost out of powerlifting. I, I, I knew the, the, the value of what he was sharing with me. So I was a, I was a full-time student. Uh, I was still interning for Brett Bartholomew at the time uh, who I was, I was doing some strength and conditioning work with. Um, and I was staying up like all night because, because Ben needed some information and, and we didn't have that in our sheets. So I would, I think our first two meetings, I rebuilt our entire company infrastructure in a five day span, two weeks in a row. I was just killing myself, you know, like I'm, I'm not like eating, I'm not drinking, like I'm just up working because I, I have to get this. And um, since then um, when Ben shared this model of thought, I, I hold it, um, very uh, dearly because I I know what it took him to to find these answers and and what it took Lane and um, you know Lane was my first bodybuilding coach so I really looked up to Lane you know when I was growing up too and um, I feel a sense of responsibility to make it even better and so um, yeah like now we haven't stopped growing uh, we've hired a sports scientist we've hired a biomechanist. Uh, we have Arian here, who I think is the the best game day coach in the IPF, uh, bar none. You know, like we're learning from him all the time. Um, you know, we're we're working with the sports scientists right now to validate our training statistically. Like I've sent him twenty different training files of all our athlete data, and he's doing his PhD on on trying to prove. Uh, that there's a, a relationship between dose and response. Um, so we're every day we're working just as hard as we were in 2017 to continue to get better. Um, so yeah, it's you you mentioned maybe people are going to catch up, but we're still moving forward. So um, the bar is going to 
continue to go because we're not stopping. You know, it's just our culture. It's one of those deals where like when you hear about other people entering and what they're doing and it's like, oh, good. All right. Now I got reason to keep moving. It's like when Taylor's like, fuck it, I think about leaving the game and then it's like oh, there's so much more i could do though and it's like oh you like that have you ever had the feeling you wanted to leave at the same time you wanted to stay and you're like one foot out the door about to leave the party and shit my jam just came on though ah you put you, you throw your coat away you come back on the dance floor and the fellas like look who it is one more song fellas one more fucking song um yeah man it's i totally get it it's the it's the merry-go-round. All you guys are competitive, even the coaches, even you know what I mean. It's like the mentality that you guys all have the same one. This is what I'm getting right now. And Erie, you have, when you, to, sorry, you have to be able to relate. This is this is a real quick side note, but I think you have to be able to relate on some level with the athlete, even if you've never competed in powerlifting yourself. There's got to be something that's a common thread. Um, because otherwise, if you're just sending away a plan and you don't relate on any level, there's a there's a level of detachment. Like you look at any uh, coaching in conventional sports, usually the coach has played at a pretty high level or they they have a deep understanding from some experience within sport. So you mentioned that and, and I totally agree. I think we're all very competitive. Um, and I think that is a very common thread within. And uh, I think it's it's essential because it, if if there's a block where it, it's it's irrelatable from athlete to coach, you have a major barrier that that's going to be a problem. If it's not the beginning, it will be a problem at some point. Yeah, the, the, and the athlete has to buy in. Otherwise, yep. if you don't and buy I think in, that's part of it. I think that's part of the buy-in is you got to find that common thread where like this person is in it with me. It's not just they're an outsider who's helping me. They're in it with me. I want to ask you guys, let me ask you all about this question here. Um, Russ had made a statement that fucking every time now I post Russ and people in the comments re-say the statement or like take it off about how he said, I think I'm the hardest working um, person in the game and um, yada, yada. I can't remember it exactly, but you guys probably remember something to the point of the effect of I'm, I'm the hardest worker in the game. I'm, you know, nobody's at this level, whatever the hell. But then, um, I was talking, so there's two points to this. First off, okay, look at all you guys are are talking about just how crazy the work ethic of from the coaches to athletes. So probably not he's the hardest worker, right? But I talked to him about how he's like, it's not even necessarily like what I said, it's more the mentality that I'm talking about here. And I already see Taylor nodding his head. And I knew my man was also because I, I feel it too. Where it's like, no, it's not whether or not I am outworking or whatever. It's the fucking mentality that I'm bringing here is terms. You know, it's, you have to believe you have to buy in on yourself. Even you buy in on the programming on you're buying your coaches and you buy in on yourself. And, and Russ is like, this is how athletes talk when they're going into the Super Bowl basketball. Like, I know you how good you are, but I'm fucking better. You're a dog. I'm a dog. You're going to be there in the fourth quarter. I'll be there at the last minute of the fourth quarter. Give me the ball. Like, like this is how I'm approaching. And like, it's just that, that he was trying to explain that I type into words. Don't get, I want to get your impression, Taylor. I already kind of get the vibe that you're vibing with it, but um, that's what I got too. Uh, but 
what do you think that A and then B will talk about actual workloads because the strength guys are famous for workloads. And <laughs> um, and I know Russ knows how hard fucking Taylor works because Taylor's program's out there and it's fucking become legendary. And I know he's not like Russ doesn't work or Taylor doesn't work, but what are your thoughts, Taylor? I'll get it from you too, Leah, and then the coaches. So I, I didn't take it any type of way. Uh, I think the people that got triggered the most are probably the ones that aren't working as hard as him. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, <laughs> if I'm talking, if, if you think I'm talking about you, there's a chance I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I, what he said, it didn't bother me at all. I like the mentality. That's why he is who he is. Um, he shows up consistently year in, year out beats everyone in the 83 class uh <laughs> like he, he can say that he, he he can feel that way he can do that he can talk it he backs it up uh whether it's true or not i i don't know I, he could work harder than me who I, i'm not with him every day um i don't think it's true but <laughs> <laughs> it's highly unlikely <laughs> I mean, look, I, it could be i i don't know uh, I, I know I work my fucking ass off, uh, not just powerlifting, man. It's, it's everything. It's everything. It's work. It's family. It's, it's friends, everything. Um, <laughs> but look, he, he has, he can do that. He can say that he has his right to free speech. Um, and he has the right to say whatever the hell he wants. And, and guess what? I, I'd have to agree with, he probably does outwork most. And he probably is the hardest worker in the room. Um, now, I, I will say, like, sometimes uh, it's not just about working hard, right? Like, you have to work smart. So you could be working your, your ass off, but you're doing it wrong. Uh, so you're going in the wrong direction, and you're just chopping at wood. And this it's actually not wood. It's, it's titanium. <laughs> so mm. you're not going to chop through titanium, right? Um, so I, I, there's there's give and taste there, but I, I understand the mentality to your point, Ryan. Uh, but I didn't feel any type of way, and I think it's it's like that mentality. He's he he loves uh, Kobe. Uh, he's got that Mamba mentality, and it's very rare. I think that's why I don't probably uh, profess it as much, but I I think I have that same mentality. I don't. Because again, I I think I this may be my personality, but growing up, like I always wanted to be liked by everyone because I was always picked on because I was the smallest. So it, it may stem from that from a kid just not uh, feeling accepted. So I don't talk as much. Um, I'll back. I'll, I'll talk somewhat, but I'll never say or be that bold or make that bold of a statement just because I know the backlash that comes with it and I don't want to piss people off. Um, but more power to him that he, he feels that way and that he's confident enough to do that. Uh, I do think that there's this fine line between uh, being confident and being arrogant or cocky. Uh, and as a champion, we're riding that every day. What is um, that line? I think you might've talked about or posted about it. It's, was that you who posted it? You had yeah, a good, yeah, yeah. You had, had a really had, good one, man. Well, I had the definition right. It's the the arrogance piece 
people mistake arrogance for confidence um, and, and they don't know the difference between the two. When you really look at both of the definitions of confidence versus arrogance, uh, you can really see the difference. So I, I don't remember the two. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a sort or a dictionary. I, I don't know the definitions off the top of my head, but once you look at the two, um, you'll know the difference. And that's kind of what we walk around with as champions. I'm sure Leah is in that same boat, but I'm not going to speak for her. I'll let, I'll, I'll let her do that. But it's, it's a, it's a, it's a confidence. And even prime uh, Deion Sanders talked about, it. he's like, I've been, I was born with confidence, baby. <laughs> when I walk in the room, I know I'm the best dressed in the room. You ain't got to tell me. <laughs> Um, so it, it's, it's just that confidence thing. And whether you want to talk about it or not, I, I like to work in silence sometimes uh, and let the results speak for themselves. Uh, but when you start chirping, like some of these guys are doing, uh, I, I posted that um, Christopher Walken sound bit where he's, uh, he's telling a story about the lions and the doggy. Yeah, I love it. I like, love that. You keep, quote. you keep, you keep doing that and I'll come in and I'll rip your fucking throat out. Yeah. Listen, um, first off, when you said like, look at, I don't talk like that. Doug, you got sound bites like crazy. You kidding me? You got some good ones. You have some good <laughs> posts. Like some of your posts are legendary. One of them, one of my other of my favorite, cause you had a lot of good sound bites at KOTL. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> but like you dropped some good ones is um, the one post you made, obviously where you're like, you guys think you're close. <laughs> You're not even close. You're not close. Well, you have no idea. You have no idea. And that, it is yeah, a, that's that's the that confidence. Was gold. Yeah, that's that confidence. Was the, that was that's the difference, right? I wasn't being arrogant. I wasn't being cocky uh, because I've backed it up numerous, 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 numerous times. Um, from 2017 on, I think I've pretty much backed up every statement uh, that we made, but. It's just the confidence. It's the confidence to be able to say, man, the way that 300 moved 661 pounds, dude, no one's moving 300 kgs as fast as I'm moving it. You have no idea where I'm at right now. The way that I'm feeling, the training. Yeah, right. I had no idea where you were at at that point. I was like, Neither oh. did I. We moved 325. I showed you, Ryan. Yeah. I, 325 you, moved like... like I was I like, hate when, oh my God, what's happening right now? It's such a tease <laughs> when Taylor every now and then hops in my DMs like, keep this to yourself. And he shows <laughs> me like, fuck. Oh, I'm so tempted. I'm like, all right, all right, all right. He's like, don't say nothing. Don't show nobody. And I'm like, oh, oh, man. But yeah, you've done it a couple of times. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, um, how about you, Leo? What is your impression uh, like of the quote first off? And like, because look at you. If you wanted to talk your talk, Leah, you could talk your talk. Like in terms of like, um, like what you've done is a 63, a 69, um, you know, the social media following you got and like, but you, you don't necessarily flex on people like that. Right. Um, like obviously no, you're confident. So uh, what do you think about it? What do you think about like a, um, carrying yourself like that or them carrying themselves this way, you know, Taylor, Russ, et cetera. Cause I think Taylor and Russ have a lot of very similarities in terms of it, not entirely, but like, you know, and then also workload in terms like out, like, do you think some people 
think they work as hard as Taylor and Russ, but they actually don't because I I've fucking done Taylor's program, Dougie, and it's fucking ridiculous. So, um, so first when I did see his post, to be honest, I laughed. Like I did laugh hard because, and I'm sorry, Taylor, but I I think it's a little bit cocky what what he said. Uh, on my point of view, this is how I I felt it. Like I was like, man, do you really think that? some people over there in the poor Latin community is not as passionate and as hard worker than you. I think we need maybe to do to do the difference between hard worker and result. There is some people who have hard worker, but they will never be a, a champion, a lot of champion, but they do put their heart and everything they have in order like to tend to be there one day. Um, but there is other factors than just hard work. As we said, like there is mental, there is genetic, there is nutrition, and there is a lot of work. But when you are in the team, I do know people who they are just like regional state and they they do work hard. I see it in the team. So we are not only the elite athletes for me to work hard on the training. Uh, there is other people. And I think it was kind of mean to say that and disrespect this rightful um, to other leaders who are as passionate as us in, in, in the community. And I'm going to say, if he was that good, he will be the top three athletes in IPF and he's 10. So he can't keep talking. <laughs> I um, love the double side of it. I, <laughs> I you make some good points he's, too. He's, and I, th- I think he's 83. He's nine kilos more than Taylor. And Taylor was close by five kilos on his total. So he he is talking to talk. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you make good points. Well, first off, um, you're, you're right that some people could work as hard as, as like Taylor or Russ and never catch up. It just like, it's just not going to happen like that. I, I feel kind of bad to say that but this is true there's people who are gonna really do their best and never be there because because there is other other athletics needs that uh, in order to be there but yeah there is some hard worker out there so so here's here's what i would say um 100 you i think you're both right at the same time put it this way for sure someone could work just as hard as Russ and Taylor, never be Russ and Taylor or yourself, right? Never make it that far. And the, but for them cracking top five would be amazing. And they're like the grittiest top fiver that you've ever seen. And it's fucking, it could be very inspirational. Then on the flip side, um, the whole, okay, but Taylor and Russ are going into these head to head battles and have a lot of pressure, et cetera. And, um, even if they're like, they, they need to have some kind of mental edge to be like, look at when I walk in a room, like you've heard Russ says when he walks around, how many times there's a hype showdown with a bunch of 83s and some of the confidence that allows him to walk into that room and try to command it and to walk onto the platform, try to command it and be who he is. Some of it is the mind game. You tell yourself I'm special. Even if you're, even if, even if it's like, no, there's other people in that room working just as hard as you. Just that belief, no, no, no. But I'm, I'm, I'm a little more special. So, the, so yeah, the, I can see both. It's one thing to say that to yourself, and it's one thing like to write it and to post. Right, right. Well, this is true. I think it's this, different. Like, this is true. I, I, I tell to myself, I'm the best. Like every day, in order like to to be to be involved in my training session, even if I don't want to. Like it's motivation. 
but mm. it's something like to do it for yourself in order like to get the work done and some something else like to write it and post it yeah it's i look at i respect we need both because we couldn't have everybody um coming off like like hot and heavy like that on the, on the flip side, every now and then it's, I like, like, I respect both and I need both. Like I, as a fan, not just for powerlifting, but period, you know what I mean? Like, um, and you can't have all one way. I remember Leah, when you were going to post something and you were like, is this too cocky? And it wasn't cocky at all. Yeah. And I was, I was like, I what? I was like, this is tame. I'm like, well, this is post that without even thinking about it. You were like, what do you think about this? I'm like, dude, you're fine. But yeah, uh, what a, yeah, it's true. I, I think it, it might be something different from friends and because um, in friends and melody, it's way different. And I think we can see cockiness in a lot of things that you American people won't see as cockiness and, and they see as confidence. So yeah, maybe it's just being French. <laughs> it's funny. I've had, um, so I had Esther and Kenan from, uh, Kenan from Japan, Esther from Korea. And I was like asking them questions about like, who are the powerlifters that they like to, to watch and see? And they were like, because where they come from, um, you know, like culturally and some of the stigma attached to like, well, we're so much past women in the gym and whatnot. Certain regions of the world aren't, we forget this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they want to, instead of making themselves bigger, they actually want to make themselves smaller in a room. And it's not about making yourself bigger, chest out, whatever the hell. And you over excuse and say, sorry, even if you don't should, shouldn't be sorry. Or if someone compliments you, you should be like, no, 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 no. Like it'd be it, just not even taking a compliment culturally. You, no, 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 no. You, you're supposed to down and they're like, that's the way it is. And, um, and they talk about like women wanting to physically be smaller, but also personality wise and everything and how it affects you in your day to day. And they said, um, when you're in that and you're like trying to be like, man, I'm going to start going to the gym and doing certain things, what it feels like. And they actually on the flip side, were like, look to someone at the time it was of, the, of that podcast. We we're talking about it, it was like Heather Connor. They mentioned saying when she's cause she's so small and she would be like smacking her chest, like Wah! and yell and be like, you know, whatever. I, but she was so cocky and confident. And they were like, fuck yeah. They were like, oh, what? It's weird. Like, but they would look to like these Americans too and take, yeah. take like inspiration as source of it. Kind of like um, Muhammad Ali is the number one for this, obviously, during the civil rights revolution. When uh, Ali came back from the Olympics and they, he went to eat in a restaurant and they're like, you can't eat in this restaurant. It's for white people only. Ali's from the South. And this is the 60s. Grew up in the 50s, 40s. And it was like um, what he faced. So when Muhammad Ali in the 60s wasn't allowed to like, you know, they, they the whole nine that they went through. And he was like, I am the greatest. I am, you know, he would talk about like, I'm so fast. I turn out the lights. I'm in bed before it gets dark. I'm like, you know, he's talking like, I'm so pretty. I'm like, he's talking all this on the road and they were like you should be like just to be that confident for a black man at the time to be that confident um was insane and other people like were were watching this other black people going through this were like and they have to be they like like the way uh those two ladies from major saying you have to make yourself smaller not just physically your voice smaller and whatever if the pressure would be that and they would see ali and this is what made ali legendary like, fuck yeah he's saying what i want to say He's being what I want to be. I want to walk in the room like that. And it would be like, yes. You know, it's sometimes you take inspiration from that too. So when you're, when someone's like, I would totally understand if you were afraid and you would fall apart and someone walks in the room chest out and is like, um, 
are you guys ready to come in second? You know, you be you're like, oh, whoa, holy smokes. So I get both. I legit get both. And we definitely need both. Not everyone can be Ali. It's too much. Uh, not everyone can be Taylor. Not everyone can be whatever. It's too much. But then on the flip side, you do need an Ali. I, and I, you need Leah Babwas, who are like the silent worker. Legit, the silent worker, right? That is a, like for real. That is came out of France. And it's more than just a brand. It's, it's like you guys are on brand with it. And you need that too. You need the humble warrior who's like, I don't need to, I'll, my, my work will speak for me. You know, and this person's getting at you like, I don't need to get at you back. My work will speak for me. Let's see what happens, right? Like you need it all. I love it all. I really do. There's a spot for it all. And we got, we got both you guys on this podcast. I'm glad I asked this question. Uh, what do, what do the coaches think? What do you guys think about all this? Cause you probably, you work with both sides. Uh, I mean, objectively, I think it's ridiculous, but I think it's intentionally ridiculous because as a provocateur, it's effective. I mean, he's a, he's a businessman, right? So we're talking about it right now, aren't we? I think he got what he wanted. Um, but I think if you, if you analyze it objectively, it's a delusional statement. Um, but I don't know him, so I just know what he does. Um, so the way I view it is that was the intent and we're talking about it. So he got what he wanted regardless of, it's just like, there's no bad press, right? It's the same philosophy. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how I view it. Um, but yeah, objectively, I, I don't think there's any way that's true. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think objectively you ask him, he's going to be like, no, I'm not the hardest guy in working. Yeah. Like objectively, I don't even, like Taylor said, I don't even know what other people are doing. I'm assuming, I, I, I'm sure Russ assumes Taylor works his ass off. Leah works his ass off. Like, to be honest, the, the probably the real person who's probably working the hardest is probably not even making the national, not even qualifying for nationals. <laughs> are we talking about like an endurance runner? Who was the Ben? Who was the, the Ben as the power lifter? Um, who's just trying to force themselves to adapt to be able to stay with the pace of the pack. Um, and, uh, yeah, cause, cause I think the one reality of powerlifting is obviously, and this is not to discount anybody who makes it to the top, but obviously, you know, there's potentials when you start lifting and then if it's here versus someone who's down here, both progress, but that gap usually doesn't narrow. So both progress and they elevate. So maybe the worst person might be able to get to the starting point of the elite one. But the elite person then is the gap, you know, remains. So um, I do think in general, less is required. The only place that that differs is when you're talking about, and this could potentially be a really interesting segue, um, where that differs is when you're talking about, uh, let's say, longitudinal gains where, you know, a career, because I think a very common thing you see in this, this does bleed into a lot of what we talked about before with programming. A lot of times you'll see a good lifter get gooder <laughs> and then stay gooder um, and still win because they're gooder. Uh, but what the fascinating thing to me is and why I look, I like looking at the data sheets of like open powerlifting, open IPF is what impresses me the most is if you take a lifter and over time you have found a way to continue to make the progress uh, not necessarily go linearly, but the trend line over time should be linear. You shouldn't flatten out. Um, 
And to me, that speaks to, okay, you figured out some universal aspect of the solution to strength. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't want to run on too much and, and get way off topic, but um, that's both my answer to, to your question and my answer to the question you didn't ask. <laughs> the question, the answer I didn't know I needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason, what do you think? Um, so um, I think when I first saw it, I, I thought, um, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think I, I train a few athletes who probably work harder than Russ. Um, obviously Russ has had a lot of success in his life, you know, uh, in powerlifting. He's also a person who's never not shown up, you know, like he's, he's always ready. Uh, he's always won, you know, uh, except for, um, I think his first matchup against Brett Gibbs, but he bounced back from that, came back, um, same thing that Taylor did. And, um, but I, I don't think, I, I think if you get offended by this, um, you have to take a step back from that feeling and think about, uh, what the actual goal is. Cause we're not giving out medals for who worked the hardest, uh, as, as Ben said, um, you know, there's probably some, some lifter out there who has done everything in their power to get stronger and actually can't get stronger anymore yeah, because sure. they're at yeah. the limit. And this person could be working way harder than, than, than Taylor or Leah, you know? Uh, but it's, it's the hand that you're dealt. So the goal is not to work harder. Uh, the goal is to concentrate your work on what matters. And, and to Ben's point, um, and this is a line from a uh, director of the Canadian sport Institute. So he works with our Olympians and, and his training philosophy is to uh, measure what matters and change what matters. So what matters is not how hard you're working. What matters is scaling your progress over time. And, and so we're not focused on making our athletes work the hardest. You know, they, they may have to, to get to their goal, but actually you, you don't want to uh, make the goal working the hardest because if you work too hard, you're going to get injured or, or you may not be able to perform, recover from and adapt to that amount of work. Right. So the, the goal is not to get the honorary gold medal. If you work the hardest for this, but actually place in like, you know, ninth, you know, um, the goal is I can to attest to that. I have a lot of participation medals, a lot of them. I, I remember at 2017 nationals, I was, I was watching uh, deadlifts and, and they were giving out participation medals after deadlifts, competitor after competitor, just dropping them in the garbage as soon yeah. as they got put in their hands. Communism, know, like, bro. It's communism. I don't stand <laughs> for that. I, I don't agree with it, but um, yeah, the, the goal is to, to measure what matters and change what matters. And so the, the goal is absolutely not hard work, but hard work may be necessary, you know, at, at some point, right? Um, Taylor and Leah probably wouldn't have to work super duper hard uh, when they first started lifting in order to gain a few kilos on their total. Um, the hard work became necessary as they, as they reached a higher level. Um, and now it's, it's very necessary, you know. I want to get Aaron's opinion too, but let me just say something. When we first logged in, I remember I was like, um, we just like scheduled this. Like Jason was like, we should, we should get, you know, everyone on a podcast. And um, I was like, what do you guys want to talk about? And like, how, fucking, we have some amazing conversations, huh? 
Like sometimes it just happens. Yeah. You just throw something out there and like yeah. from like Taylor went into place, Leia went in the opposite direction. Now you guys go in different directions as well. And we're covering so many bases. And like this is when you're with the right people, it's easy. Yeah. Right? This is really fuck. Are we vibing right now? What's happening? What are we gonna talk about? Where are we gonna go? <laughs> Why not just go everywhere? Yeah, let's just throw some things out there. We'll be good. Um, Arian, what do you think, man? Uh, sure. I mean, these guys and Leah covered a lot of it. I mean, I never saw the actual post. I'm, I'm pretty bad when it comes to the social aspect of social media. So I don't know exactly what the post said, but I've seen everyone making fun of it. And I was kind of thinking some of the similar ideas that Ben said. There's There could be other reasons for making that post, like being a business. You could be, you know, purposely getting people to come to your, your page and then leading them into other directions as far as sales. It could also be like stuff Taylor said, where maybe he's going after his opponents. Like, oh, you think you're working hard? Well, I'm the hardest worker and I beat you every single year. You know, I got multiple mm. national world titles. And so it could be like that kind of strategy. Um, and then there's obviously the objective stra- the objective to it is like, is he really the hardest worker? I, I took hardest working as different as a little bit than what Jason's saying. I'm thinking it kind of to what, Ben was saying earlier is like, it's not just the programming. It's not the, just the numbers on the page. It's what's everything else are you doing? Like, are you actually putting effort into your warmups? Or are you being lazy? Are you actually putting effort into doing your accessory work? Like I have some clients who skip their accessory work. Are you actually taking care of your nutrition? You know, keeping consistent with your macros? Um, are you doing your prehab and rehab work? Or is your PT giving you stuff and then you're slacking off on that? So all those little things that it takes to be a hard worker. It's not just like, oh, I do the most amount of sets or I do the, the, the most amount of peak volume this week. And so that's the way I took it as, is that, you know, whether Russ thinks he's doing it or not is maybe he's motivating people, maybe he's trying to scare opponents, or whatever like that. But as a lifter, you should be thinking about, are you actually working hard? And sometimes you may be in a bubble where you're the hardest worker, or maybe you think you're the hard, hardest worker at your job or whatever. And, um, you don't know what else is out there. Like like we've said, like you don't know what Taylor's doing necessarily on a day-to-day basis. You don't know what uh, Ray Williams is doing on a day-to-day basis unless you're physically there seeing everything they're doing. <laughs> and then does, maybe Ray does his warm-up and he's already beat your weekly volume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you you may end up joining, you know, a gym and seeing someone do their training session. You may join a, a coaching team and see how they're working. And then you get another idea of like, oh shit, this is actually what other people are doing. Like I thought I was working hard. Then you go to another group and realize that like compared to them, you're maybe average or below average and you need to step it up in our level. So maybe that's what some of these lifters reading this post and getting mad may, may need to start thinking like, am I actually slacking off of my warmups? Am I just jumping like, you know, straight to two or three plates? Cause I don't want to, you know, do the other warmups. Am I not doing my rehab? Am I not doing session? You know, I see Leah and Ben laughing there. See, listen, and, hang on. And, and, like, I just wanted to say just to finish off. I'm not the hardest worker. I, I think that's why Leah was offended. Now we found out. Now we found out. And that's what I was going to say. I'm sure Leah and Taylor will say themselves. They are not perfect. They're not 100% perfect when it comes to getting all their training sessions and all their macros and everything like that. Everyone's going to have some days where you have Speak to miss a for session. yourself, Arian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, yo, you're letting too much out. But okay. But but it, it, what we always try to teach our lifters is like, you know, trying to be as consistent as possible, like, you know, trying to get, you know, whatever it is, a number you want to put 80%, work your way to 85%, work your way up 90% consistency, have those cheat days if you need it in there. But if you're doing like, you know, 50% as far as like your macros you're hitting on a weekly basis or accessory work and like that, and then think you're going to be the best, it's, it's not going to work out for you. You made a good point though. Um, like all jokes aside, it's true that like I read a post somewhere um someone was saying 
you you beat yourself up because you didn't do this properly or you missed this day or whatever it is. And they're like, that CEO, the president, whatever, they also have imposter syndrome. They also procrastinate. They also made mistakes and got called out on it by their peers, went home like, fuck, I'm a fuck up. And they also have those thoughts, all of them, right up to like, fucking, I don't care if it's Elon Musk, whoever successful to Michael Jordan. Had and, and David Goggins, I talked about it like sometimes, like some of these guys who you absolutely adore and think they have the craziest worth ethic have gone home early before, have gotten out of bed late, have missed training days, have totally fucking dropped the ball and let people down, and they will do it again. It's just they realize it and they make it minimum as possible. But just because it happens, don't be all or nothing. Well, I fuck this up. So there's no point showing up tomorrow. There's no point. I can't do my macros. I can't do steps. I'm not going to do adhere to this training or whatever it is. That is the quitting mentality. All or nothing. You got to get rid of the all or nothing mentality. You got to let yourself off the hook sometimes. Be like, I'll tighten it up. But everybody you know goes through this. Trust so- uh, just going back to measure what matters and, and change what matters. Like um, Taylor's top in the men's and Leah's top in the women's for points rankings. And you know how many accessories they do combined in their in both of their programs? How many? Two. And Taylor does both of them. He does, he does, three, <laughs> he does three sets of rows. Two and, and does Taylor does both of them. Every week. So, I mean, if you think like you, you could be working really hard, you know, like Russ is enormous. He's a mountain of a man. And clearly he does a lot of accessory work volume uh, to be this big. You know, um, I don't think that's a strange assumption to make. Um, but our training system is, has shown um, that you don't actually need to do those things to reach a very elite level of strength. So that's one. And number two, you know how many warm-up sets Leah does for a uh, squat at a competition, right? At a competition? Yeah. Oh, what, I mean, what, I... What, are, what, are, what are her warm-ups? If she's opening at 200 on squat, what's she going to do? 200 kilos, 441 pounds. Fuck, man, I'm, I'm tempted to say she just does, and this is crazy, but if she does like one plate, two plate, three plate, she's jumping like that? Yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's it, you know. Wow. So, like the, the, the first meet, I, I'm 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 working with Leah. Uh, I'm I'm on a golf trip with Ben in Vancouver, and I have my laptop busted out. I'm like, okay, this is the three B attempt. Like, what's eighty two point five percent of three B? That's the last warm up, seventy two point five percent. Ben's like, no, 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 she's not doing that. So no, we're no, on no, the no. with Leah. She's like, no, like, I'm just going to do 75, 125, 175. Thank you. So I'm like, oh, okay, like, that's that's fine. But I, but I, I don't think that's optimal, you know? Like, I wouldn't recommend that, but eh, so. Sufficient. Yeah. It is what it is. Like, um, yeah, I mean, whatever gets you there, you know what I mean? Like, whatever, sometimes yeah, you don't want to... This is why I can't make the... You, you, need, you need to make a post that says, I think I'm the least hardest 63. That's right. That's right. <laughs> she she beat the I system by that. having her coach's program no accessory work first, so she's not skipping out on her That's accessory right. work. Yeah, exactly. She's got 100% adherence. <laughs> <laughs> she's got Never 100%. Off plan. Yeah. I make fun of it, but most of the time I say to Ben, I think I'm I'm lazy. That That's the worst part of it. Well, what's, because... your, what's your nickname? <laughs> yeah crocodile yep what is you that never, you never see a crocodile move fast unless there's food around 
<laughs> and even then, it's only a very short burst of power, and then it's they're a... back to just basking in the sun with their mouth open. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Crocodile. Um, I was going to ask. Optimize everything. <laughs> I, I was uh, I was going to ask, like Taylor, you admit this kind of goes back to your previous point where you said um, how previously you didn't want people to see you for more than the image you had been given out. You know, the like that. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to beat you. And uh, but now you're going to start opening up for, you know, YouTube and people start taking a peek. Um, I think that you're 100 percent right, though, in terms of that stigma. I think 100 percent when people think of you, they think of like that. Right. They think like they hold you like that, like King Atwood and like whatever. And when he walks in, like Russ has said on this podcast, the guy we're talking about who who's thrown out statements like that, Russ said, there's one guy who I think will none of these games will work with is Taylor Atwood. And when he talks about a potential clash with you, he's like, I think if I see him in the platform warm up room, can't give a fuck about what I said leading up to it. And it's, it'll be like that. It'll be like, well, okay, well, I guess we're just going to rock and roll here. Do you think though? Like, like I, I understand this is going to open up for like avenues of other, and you're right. You're going to seem more relatable, but Taylor, I would previously was like, I don't want to be relatable. Like not for you guys right now, not for like, you know, like think of me like that guy. Think of me like, yes, you know, like this guy fucking, you know, spits nails. This guy doesn't miss a single, like, like the truth that I was saying about, you know, all the guys you look up to, they miss lifts. They, they don't adhere a hundred percent. All this, they get scared. They get nervous. Fuck. I'm nervous. I'm whatever they, all those things. And, um, you know, you, it'd be crazy to picture Michael Jordan like that. But after the fact, when they show the last dance and you see the behind the scenes, it becomes relatable and you're like, fuck me. And it's admirable the whole night. Um, so I get it. I get both. So why do you think now is the time that you're like, now I could do this. Now I could be like, all right, I could be more relatable to people and maybe it's going to elevate. And maybe I'll be, it'll be easier for these other things. Like, wh- why do you think that? Because previously, I think you were 100%. I didn't know you were actually doing that for those reasons. And I think you're 100% right. Cause your stigma you made is fucking like your branding is on point playboy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it was a strategy. Um, I'm big into game theory and I, I think having a strategy to win is, is key. It's paramount. So I think why it's, I'm starting to do it now. One, Russ isn't going to be watching my videos like he he doesn't care what I'm doing. Uh, Maybe he'll watch one every now and again, but like he's got his business, he's doing his thing. So if there was a potential clash between him and I, like I, anything that I'm doing, he's not going to be watching. He'll see some some of my posts on Instagram, most likely of like some of the lifting just to gauge where I'm at. But uh, the YouTube stuff, I just don't think that (laughs) He cares. Um, and then two, I think I'm so far ahead uh, to a certain extent. We'll see what uh, some other competitors are doing right now, but I think we're, we're, we're at a point where um, I just don't think the competition man cares that much uh, about who I am now. They're just chasing my number. So whether or not I, I tell them who I am or give them more of a, 
of Taylor Atwood and I let my guard down and into who I am, it doesn't matter anymore because they're just chasing the 838 and a half uh, dots number. And if they beat that, they'll be happy. So it, it doesn't matter. Um, they, they, I still think personally, if you're in the back room, in the warm-up room with our team, you feel us. You know we're there. Like I feel you right now. And you, you are going to be intimidated. I don't care yeah. what you say. You've never experienced it unless you've experienced it. So we walk in there. We own the room. We sit down. No one's touching us. I think there's always going to be some stigma, actually. Actually, you just said that. I'm like, I think you can put out the YouTube videos you want, Playboy. I think I'm still, you're still going to have, you're still Taylor Atwood, goddammit. There's there's also always Mr. Atwood that can scare you. Well, yeah, that's that's, that's mainly it. That that is mainly it. My my dad will, he'll be the intimidating factor for sure. (laughs) That's right. Um, I also want to, so don't let me forget about the Lane Norton comeback, Ben, but I also want to talk about, we kind of, I, I want to go back to Sheffield a little bit. I don't want to skip over this one part at all. Uh, with the Ron Dial hunt, what if I crunch some numbers? Humor me. He hasn't been invited, but I'm just, just for the sake of conversation. If he does. So I think I have him at 365 squat, 250 bench, 400 dead which would give him 10-15. 10-15. So he would push the world record enough that Taylor would need 8-20. That's a fucking... We're That's getting it. into some... We're getting into... <laughs> <laughs> Dude! My man's got the time and... Are you are you are you putting timelines on all these 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 sound bites area because we got I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Cause Taylor's you gotta be quick on it. But um what are your thoughts on that, Taylor? I guess you kind of just gave it, but when you hear stuff like that. So what's it what's that PR? Is that a PR for him? For him, it'll be a PR world record, yeah, a, a considerable yeah. PR. But he there's talk like he was saying when he's on the podcast, I believe he said something like Quite a bit more. I have him at 10-15, more realistic from what I've seen in the gym and him actually putting forth on the platform, traveling mm-hmm. the whole nine. Well, he thinks he, he cut, can do more. Does he cut weight? He won't have to for for 120 kilo, I don't believe. Okay. He he weighed in at 119.5 at his last meet in summer, so maybe he cut a little bit for that. And then he did 992.5, um, which that would mean you'd need somewhere around 802, but... Ryan saying potentially has more in him. He can get to 1015, which at that point you would need around 820. He thinks he's even more than that. He thinks he's like, like your top end. He'd be neck and neck with your 838.5 or, or more, but I, you know, well, let's, let's set this, let's set the record straight. So for Sheffield, uh, for everyone listening, the way that you win best overall lifter is by the percentage you break the world record total. So the 120 total right now um, is very low. So that's why Rondell is even in this conversation. Because if we're talking about Dots, Wilkes, uh, IPF points, uh, he, he's nowhere near what I'm doing. So let's just set that record straight because I had a few DMs of like, you think Rondell's going to beat your Dots and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Hold on. 
Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, no one in that 120 plus weight class, 120, 120 plus, 93, 80. No one's beating my fucking dots. IPF points. I'm not allowing it. Um, but that's beside the point. And then two, it's all the what if scenarios, right? Like, I'm just not. A, he, I DM'd him um because he he put some he was asking a q a as well i'll actually tell you what he's what he asked me because <laughs> oh he asked you in one of your q a's well no no he actually um hold on he was asking he was doing the q a okay and then he said something along the lines of oh shit i can't see it anymore but nonetheless he 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 was saying something along the lines of uh what do you think of what Atwood said about you and his YouTube video or something? And he, he snapped back and didn't agree with what I said, obviously. Uh, but I was like, look, I like proof, not what ifs. Show me. Show, I'm a show me man. So unless you've done it, unless you've proven it in a competition, IPF standards, I don't give a shit what you say. I don't care. I have done it under the strictest circumstances. So I can talk my shit. Don't come chirping at me because I've proven it. So stop talking and then go do it. So that's where I just have this, this like, I'm tired of people talking. I really am. Like everyone just wants to fucking talk because they either want one. I, I get why he's doing it because he's, he wants to go to the Sheffield. He doesn't have the spot yet. How do you do it? Well, come after the guy that's about to win it. So I get it. But now you're starting to convince people that shouldn't be convinced. <laughs> like you're selling them fucking smoke and mirrors. You're not going to do that. I know you're not going to do it. That's just, you haven't done it yet. So what makes you think? Because Jason and I, we were crunching all the fucking numbers in 2015 before the Arnold. And we're going to crush Josh Hancock. And what happens? We bombed. The bar crushed you. The bar <laughs> crushed me. Exactly. So I, I, like, unless you've done it in a competition, I even see that you've, you've even come close, come close to what you're talking about. Then I'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe and we this is a completely different conversation, but he hasn't done shit. <laughs> so I I'm not gonna allow someone to put their name next to mine because I am the standard. And if you're gonna put yourself next to the standard, you better back it up. Dog, I fucking love I'm this allowed energy. to. <laughs> I love this energy, Dougie. 100%. I, 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 am I allowed to? <laughs> I absolutely love this fight. This is my everything's like okay what's this, what's the fucking timeline on that one i gotta make notes because this is some <laughs> clips but sound bites jumping off um fucking jesus that was powerful uh listen if SBD and don't take it anyway don't take it anyway it's not disrespect it's not anything it's facts i'm talking nothing but data points mm -hmm. so that's like yeah, Look, there it. shouldn't even be a conversation of me it's and Ron. More so, an invite is what you're what you're saying is. is well, SPD's yeah. got to give the invite. In. Holy no! Smokes. What I'm no, what I'm saying is, I know, I know, I, he, I know he, you're not he, saying, yeah, yeah. Well, I know what you mean, but a challenge invite, but it would be absolutely. <laughs> um, well, well, 
how would you find it more exciting, Taylor, if SPD is like, fuck, there's a lot of hype on this. I think we can make this happen. And he does get an invite. Would it? Because right now. I'm all it, for it, man. I, it would be. Anyone, would you be? Bring anyone. Bring John no. Hack. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I, I'm, I'm on my shit right now. You know what? Personally, I think I'm better than John Hack. I talked about it before. Uh, that he's the goat of untested. I'm the goat of tested, whatever that means. Uh, just think we're the best right now, uh, tested and non-tested. But personally, I think that I'm better because you put me in a 24 hour weigh in, you put me on a deadlift bar. I'm crushing the fuck out of anything in my way. That's my confidence. That's not cocky. That's not arrogance. Look it up. I am confident that if I have a 24-hour weigh-in deadlift bar, I can do the same exact thing. Tested. I'll go in and do that and just walk in and do it. Like so, so I walk around at 166, 167 pounds. That's literally two pounds that I have to cut. And that's like literally gut manipulation, gut volume. And then like I did what I did at 74 with a two hour weigh in. Now imagine what I'm going to do with a 24 hour weigh in, eating whatever the hell I want. I know somebody who's got a, a cooked hot dog method that can help you. Here we go. I'm going to try uh, to use this cook hot dog analogy at work tomorrow. And it's, it, I'm going to fuck it's it interesting. Up. I was, I was trying to pull up on open power thing. All the men by dots, regardless of tested or not tested. And Taylor's actually fourth. So it's hack jamal blake and then taylor so it would be interesting with a 24-hour weight cut like how much more taylor could drop down to bring his dots up and then with like a deadlift bar how much the deadlift would go up to cover that gap yeah, deadlift would be a huge factor I think. it essentially what taylor's saying is remove the tested and just say go yeah you remember ryan you remember uh raw unity yes i do sir that was a cool thing i i don't it's too bad that that disappeared because that would be an opportunity because um, that used to happen. Um, it yeah. used to be the USAPL lifters would go against. It was there was no. I got invited um, to that. that I, it's and I guess, yeah, it's no longer a thing at all. It's, right. But yeah, it's not. A, it's Kern not a is the, the new thing, isn't it? I don't yeah. even think that's a thing anymore. No, I think Kern's not even anything anymore. They changed the name of it or something. Yeah. A lot of things are coming and going. Um, uh, fucking lady, do you got sound bites like that for me? Love. <laughs> least hardest worker that's right <laughs> those sound bites you got any sound bites like that for me or well leah does does nothing like uh extrinsically motivate you in terms of people chirping that um like any anything like you don't you don't use any of that as motivation or like have bit. any any point of view Gar the Garo thing got her thing is it's different. Lee approaches different, but Garo was a, a rival that like a sporting rival that got late, the fire churning in Leah, but not like it's just, you know, it's just different, I guess. Um, that's a good question though. So my I have internal motivation and I have external motivation, but I do think the most external motivation for me is to make the people I love proud of me first. Um, like my coach, my family, my, my close friends. Um, 
this is my first external motivation and like to be able to be proud of me too, but this is more internal. And after I'm not so much hyped by people talking shit or or if I have someone I'm go against it. Um, it got me hyped, but not as much as the fact that I want to first make my my closest one proud of me. Don't worry, it'll come. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You are at the top, he's, my he's gonna he's gonna make a, an IG handle, not Taylor Atwood, and just start putting <laughs> shit out there. Yeah, but so maybe because because there is no like regarding powerlifting, like talk sh like she she talk talk shit. <laughs> shit yeah, talk. <laughs> I don't know how you say it, but uh, it's more so in the male in the male side than female when you see female into protein we don't talk so much about each other or whatever like that's I feel actually interesting why do you think why do you know. think that is yeah <laughs> ego i don't know is a hell of a drug <laughs> testosterone is a hell of a drug that's right yeah so but I, we, we see it in other women's sports like uh, uh ufc like yeah women but, talk but, that is not your average sport. That is fair. Yeah, like yeah, that it's, is, that's that combat. So that's like yeah, yeah. That's it, there is like a real fight, so I think it's different. But Some like, people have come after Serena, is, Serena Williams, yeah, in tennis. Oh really? If people shit talk oh, her yeah. like opponents, really? Oh yeah, but she like yeah. tennis is different. So she like Serena has to watch what she says because it's a very proper sport. Yeah, yeah. she has like the proper uh the sponsors and whatnot so she has mm. to watch what she says so she couldn't clap back probably how she wanted to but <laughs> like she's got a couple of drinks hanging out with the girl she's like you believe that bitch <laughs> <laughs> you believe what she said yeah. and I, actually most people who has been talking shit about me it's more male it's not female so. oh really Oh, Leo, don't. Like, Where's Leo? Uh, actually, like, oh, openly in social media. Like, maybe they do in private, but they never wow. did it directly to me. So, so yeah. I feel like mine is more behind the scenes. Like, the stuff that I hear, I'm like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Like, I thought everyone loved me. <laughs> That's, again, my ego, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, yeah. I mean, the thing is, once you guys get to where you guys are at, it's impossible. Here's here's something that I heard too. That someone who started building a following said they were on a different podcast and they were like, here's something that'll keep you baseline in the middle. When you hear people who say, I, I hate that girl or I hate that guy. And you're like, hate me. You don't even know me. You can't hate me. You don't even know me. You don't hate me. So, but keep you baseline, he, keep you in the middle. What you yeah, what you represent. Like what but, you represent because they want to be there. Or, or, or how you make them feel, they, they, they feel ways about it. So anyways, but on the flip side, to keep you in the middle, when someone says, I love that girl, I love that guy. You also to keep yourself even keel, have to tell yourself they don't actually love me because they don't love, they don't know me. Mm -hmm. So that keeps you in the middle. If you were going to accept people are going to know you and say, I hate them. And you, and you're going to fluff that off. You have to fluff off the other as well. And that'll keep you. That's a tough thing because often we could fluff off the negative, but then soak in the fucking everyone's like, I love that person. But yeah, they don't really love you though. 
you know another one is um sometimes the haters are full of shit and sometimes they can actually be consultants and they're saying things you're like oh damn did you just audit me and it hurts because there's a little bit of truth there and you're like fuck why did that strike a nerve you know it goes both ways too it's tough but um you guys because of your position uh literally at the top of the of the sport and the men's and women's <clears throat> powerlifting um people are going to have opinions most people just don't get opinion opinions put on them you guys are going to get lots and if you ever stumble people are like yeah that's what i thought mm-hmm. um you know and that's where leah you were saying you felt that at world so anybody who wanted a little bit of shit to talk they had their moment and then that's where all the UK feels even better to come back and like, okay, I write ah, this shit. They didn't say anything from the animals. I don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> See? Oh, you got a little spice to you. Okay. There's a little spice in that pumpkin too. All right. All right. Uh-huh. Good, good, good. Nice. Um, but there yeah. was a, a goaltender for the, the Colorado Avalanche, uh, Patrick Waugh. And he was, a, I think, a four-time Stanley Cup champion. And someone chirped him and he's like, sorry, I, I didn't hear what you say. I have uh, Stanley Cup rings in my ears. <laughs> that was his response. I, yeah, you, you have to you have to brush it off. But I, I think um, slights seem to be essential to maintaining some degree of motivation at all times for athletes who've been doing it as long as, as Taylor. And um, now that Leah is in this position, um, from our perspective, uh, Ben and I and Arian with his clients, and we're not concerned about these things because we are coaching them as if everyone is going to be at their best at this meet and we have to be at our best as well. And so our focus is on them. Uh, we will scout the people, we will look them up, we will know their numbers and everything like that, but um, just trying not to be emotional about it, you know? I want to talk about emotional here. I want to ask uh, Ben about Lane Norton's comeback. Um, I keep putting that off and I'm looking at the time like, fuck, we're crushing so much time because this, this dude, guys, we just talk, man. If we're around the table right now. This, but he's last. He is not going to be happy with you, Ryan. <laughs> I'll, I'll fit something else in afterwards. So he's not quite last. But um, how about that? Holy shit. He put up a, a post saying, I feel like the band just got put back together or something because yeah. you were there. It was like a weird because I remember 2015 Worlds and you guys together, 2015 Worlds. And then it's 2022 and you're back at the World Championships again. Like who would have thought? And um, there you are with Lane Norton battling it out yeah, yeah. for for the gold medal only this time instead of silver, he gets gold. Mm-hmm. Um what kind, holy smokes, man! What was that like for you? It feels weird for me and everybody else to watch. How weird was it for you? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a lot of things. I mean, it, it's it's certainly a roller coaster um, because there's so much history there. And you know, you mentioned 2014, and after the meet, I didn't realize how impactful that was until people from all different countries said that they they first knew of him and like started following him after he broke the world record squat um <clears throat> because yeah i think for me i, I kind of hermit a bit and i just don't i don't i try not to pay too much attention to that stuff and i like to get lost in i find that i'm more effective when i could tunnel in to to the work and stuff and um 
it's kind of amazing this 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 far after that people still talk about that. Um, so so that was cool, you know, hearing all, all of that stuff. And then just the fact that that I still had an impact because I think you know we need to give credit where it's due. Uh, I, I'm not writing his programming. Uh, his his current coaches, which are data driven strength, um, they do his programming. And uh, Zach is his coach. He couldn't be there because he's doing data collection. So I was next in line that that Lane thought of reaching out to. So it, it's it's just cool that um, after that long, you know, I was the next person in line after his current coach. And uh, it, it's cool to know that that much trust is, is there because I think he knew uh, I would give him everything I could, although I, I only know this, knew the surface level of what was there. And it was fun. I mean, I think the other thing, need to give credit where it's due, uh, what is amazing and the advantages I've seen um, being involved with the group versus handling myself um, like as an individual, which so in 2014, it was just me. And I was the handler, I was the coach, I was everything. And it was nice, but it's kind of stressful because it's hard to run numbers in real time, handle the emotional athlete, look at the board, all of that stuff. Um, and now the way we've been doing it recently with both Leah's meet in the UK and then with Lane is we have a team. So we have a team work. Can you please stop? We have a team working on through WhatsApp who is looking at the, the numbers giving the number like in real time when they see someone put in their next attempt. So even I don't have to rely on just my, uh, my impulse. I have that validation when I could open my phone and say, okay, this is the number we're definitely going to put in. Um, and then to have Arian there uh, in person um, it's just, it's cool to have that group element where then I, a handler can be, in my opinion, um, doesn't have to do as much of the chess and they can actually be a handler of the individual. Um, so it was cool to be able to do that and know that if my mental math was off, um, instantaneously, I'd have that backup of, of, of everybody else in the group. Um, and man, yeah, like I know how much it means to him, uh, just like I did in 2014, like it was pretty incredible. He was, he came in nominated like 10th, I think, and he got, he moved all the way up to second and this time he wasn't you know, he wasn't nominated first either. Uh, but like I said, it's a testament to, uh, to grit and to, to sticking with it. I mean, dude, like he went through some shit. He went through some, some pretty bad back injuries. There were points where I didn't even think he'd come back uh, as a powerlifter. And, and now he actually came back and got that world championship. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it, it's a lot of things. It's hard to actually find the words though, because it's trying, it's like trying to rerun a decade of knowing a person in this one minute soundbite. Uh, but just like Jason said before, like he was my bodybuilding coach. Um, I remember he was lifting for like some APA federation. Uh, and he was the first guy who got people kind of integrated from the bodybuilding community into powerlifting. And that whole first wave of like, what was it? Actually the nationals in Scranton where, where I met Taylor that was the first time, you know, entries were over a thousand where like, everybody's like, oh shit, raw powerlifting is making, making a, a scene here. Like it's going to over, it's going to overcome the, the equipped stuff. Um, it was cool to be part of that first wave. And I remember I said to him when he was doing the APA meets, uh, I was like, dude, if you go over to US, USAPL so you can compete IPF, uh, I'll move to Florida. And he did. I ended up moving to Florida and then all of that, you know, all that stuff unfolded with, you know, him ultimately making, making it to worlds. And, 
and uh, and getting second. And then his his favorite story of my fuck up, which which is great. That if if there's one incident you only have of a fuck up, I think I'm doing pretty good. But he loves the story of me putting in not chipping his uh, his squat at the Arnold uh, to make the world record. I only tied it, um, and then oh, then ultimately. Bad. Then ultimately, us uh, coming back and getting it in in uh, in Sweden. Dude, can um, I say something? When he comes back to the warm up room, and the look on your face is like, yeah, so <laughs> I got bad news. You tied. You tied the, the world record. The reality is, I I genuinely didn't know. Like, at, so it's it's uh, it's a testament to having a group um, because it helps to know all of that stuff. Uh, at that point, it's funny, and this is, I'll try to make this aside real quick, is like the interesting part with Lane is um, because he's Lane and he has that so much social momentum behind him that when Lane became towards the top, everybody who knew that I coached Lane made me elevate too. And it's like, I, I never even really had that, uh, that internship. It, it was like starting your job as like, the uh the apprentice and then in a year you're the ceo and i was like oh shit i I didn't even feel like i earned that and and i still feel like a lot of it is is me proving my worth (laughs) as a coach because it happened so quick it just felt artificial um so the reality of that situation is like i didn't know i i genuinely didn't know that um that that we could have chipped so uh yeah, there, there's so much baked into that. Like I said, I could probably talk for an hour on that, but it it really was amazing to to uh, to get to see him finally get that win because there was no way he was beating Kristoff in uh, in Finland because Kristoff was a friggin' machine. Um, so knowing he was close enough and then seeing him actually get it, it was fun. And um, and St. John's is pretty fun too when the entire city seems like it's closed down. And you guys just have a small group in one bar and we did the whole screeched in thing. So it was, it was just, it was just a cool, uh, cool 24 hours. Uh, so for anyone listening, if you don't understand the impact that lane had in 2013, 14, 15, I think those worlds were actually 15 in Finland. It was absolutely bonkers. He was associated with bodybuilding.com, which was massive at the time, uh, creating content videos in the boards. So was Arian. Um, it was, huge his his social media and i mean this is the guy who's on joe rogan for god's sake his social what he bodybuilding was so much bigger than powerlifting around that era and he brought so many people who were in the gym over into powerlifting it can't be said enough like he he broke the stigma of like the fat body the fat powerlifter the guy he yeah. brought in nutrition was not talked about in powerlifting he brought in hit bringing in proper macros and and calories and actually fitting into your proper weight classes all of a sudden you had to become more competitive because instead of being a chunky 93 you're a fit 83 um talking about myself and um you know this shit was happening all over the board though. People were just becoming more competitive because they started getting in the proper weight classes. And, um, and then the wave of competitiveness rose because, you know, all of a sudden talent pool. Now we're bringing in talent from all these different gym bros and gym girls coming in. And Lane was going mainstream. He was, he's, he's still the only power lifter has ever been on like the biggest show um kotl and joe rogan and uh you know what i'm saying <laughs> but he's he was on those big shows he's still the guy he's still doing these huge podcasts and he's still being mentioned by just, those people 
I think he was just on Huberman. He was yeah. just on Huberman. Rogan, I don't listen to Rogan all the time. They just talked about him again about like, you know, Lane Norton always blah, blah, blah. He gets brought up like that. And they, he'll be on there saying, yes, I'm a, I am a power lifter. You know, he was on Joe Rogan saying, I'm a power lifter. I broke a world record, won a silver medal and, and whatever. So for him at one point, when he, his impact was massive. And then when he got injured and then injured and injured, he literally was on, he was going to make his second appearance at the world championships to make a push and got injured and had to pull himself off the team and has never come back since. So fast forward to 2022, it's one of those, how do you want to rewrite the story? It's not the same story you wanted. I get that. It's not the open worlds. I get that. But it's it's the world championships. You got USA across the chest. How does this end? And I love the fact that you woke up one day, checked your phone, and be like, "Holy <laughs> fuck!" And Leah be like, "What? What, honey? I got the call. I got the text. It's Lane. It's seven <laughs> years I, later. You're like, who? I, I the, you up, are you kidding me? He put up the bat signal, is what I said. He put up. The, I know you're uh-huh. like you're like. The band's back together. You, you, you're pacing in the kitchen. I picture you pacing me like, I got the fucking call. I got the goddamn call. Holy shit. It's going on. It's going on. I got to get my passport updated. We're going to write this ship and finish this story the way it's supposed to. And, you know, crunching up, crunching numbers, checking out the opposition. It's, uh, it's also pretty amazing because I think if you could build a power lifter in her lab, Lane is obviously a very muscular dude, but, you know, structurally, you know, skeleton wise he is not what you'd build if you were to build an elite level powerlifter so i think you know to kind of touch on some of the things that we talked about before he's always over prepared um like even in in the in the warm-ups you know he's hit he's got his velocity unit on he's and i think you know it, it's a personality thing for him he likes to have data points because data points give momentum and he knows if he's faster on those warm velocities, he's most likely going to be stronger and faster on the platform. So, you know, Lane, you could hear him on the, on the live stream screaming in his warmups in the back because he's hitting the faster <laughs> velocity warmup. Um, that was fast. But, you know, I, I think the part, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think the part that's always inspiring and, you know, aside from all the content and everything is uh, you can't deny, like, he wills himself to, to success. Like, he was willing to literally do anything that was written back in, you know, 2014 for that prep for, for Finland. And I know he went into it the same way uh, I'm sure for Zach, but also the same for rehab is like, he didn't just accidentally come back and be able to lift and still hit, you know, really respectable squat numbers and stuff like, dude, he went to Stu McGill. He did. uh, And uh, knowing him, he did every single thing he needed to do to get back. So um, you know, whatever anybody wants to say, you could never take that shit away. And uh, it was cool to just be part of it in person and uh, see him finally actualize that moment. Because, um, like you said, he's got the, the silver um, in the world, but now he's actually he's got a win. So, dog, when I saw the nominations, like, oh, fuck, he's nominated second. I was yeah. hoping, like, I was like, oh man, I want him to win, but. Now he's got to come from behind to take this. I was like, oh shit. That I was looking at all the different dominant like LS, he's gonna get it. Dave Ricks, like all the yeah, people you like, want, they're gonna get it. Kimberly Walford, she's gonna get it. Like all these people, like they're gonna get it. Their number one nominations are gonna murder. And then you looked at names, uh lanes, and you're like, oh fuck. And the guy that that was nominated number one, our boy from 
Canada, um, he beat him and took his, like he won. Brennan Summers was the Canadian champion or sorry, the world champion. And that guy came out and uh, beat Brandon Summers in Canada to take the worlds and masters. And then when I seen it was him, I was like, fuck, not again. Yeah. He's, he's a good lifter. He's super strong. He just, he's good, man. He's won before. Yeah. <laughs> He's a world champ before. You got you to guess that you didn't invite here, that I that's, didn't invite to my house either. But That's right, man. This yeah. thing's this thing's growing. Look, it, it started off, it was going to be you and Jason. Then you were like, hey, why don't we do a little something, something? We'll bring in Leah. And all of a sudden, we got the king in the house. And all, it's like, holy shit, man. We just, we put the band back together ourselves here. But um, should we do, uh, Arian, do you have any questions you want to pop in there? as well or we cover pretty much everything i want to give you the opportunity i think we covered plenty dog we covered <laughs> well, I, did, I wanted to hit on one thing that you just mentioned ryan about yeah. what uh lane mentioned so him going on to these podcasts uh not once did i hear him ever say he was a national champion he always referenced worlds yeah so if anyone out there listening still listening because we're at like three hours right now oh, they're listening playboy <laughs> but if it, it if you don't see the power that a world championship has over a national championship, you can't call yourself a, a powerlifter, in my opinion, because everyone wants to talk like unless you're in the niche of powerlifting and you understand powerlifting. Ninety nine not point nine percent of the world don't know what the hell powerlifting is or means. Yeah. But when you mention worlds world champion ears start to perk up and people start to listen so if you don't see the power between the difference and you're and you're on the cusp right now and on the fence of do i go powerlifting america do i go usapl come on over powerlifting america. <laughs> Where? that's a little plug uh, the ipf ipf actually, like it, yeah. it's superior I so there is a guy at the gym, um, and he's he's USAPA, and he was asking the difference between USAPL and IPF now, like Royalty America, and so the owner of the gym was explaining to him. I said, "Oh, I don't care about about where I say, be yeah, because you can't make it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I, how can you say that you don't care about World Championship if you can't go? Like, no way, no way." Because where's it's here? Like you can't you can't say anything until you, you went there and say, I'm a world champion or I mm -hmm. made it to where like I made it to the team. Mm -hmm. There's it, sorry, go ahead, Taylor. You're gonna say no, something. and under the strictest circumstances, right? Like you're traveling internationally, you have a two-hour way in, you have to cut like you have to potentially go a week early. You're not in your comfort zone anymore. Uh, there's so you, many different you know, variables just to cut in really quick. Cause I, I feel like both of you can attest to this and we've certainly noticed it on the outside is people think that judging is a universal standard and it technically it should be, but at, na at the national level and the world level, no, it's, it's completely it different. is not the same. That's such, thing. that's such a good point. I was, I was going to touch on that as I think getting the strictest yeah. uh, referees and not just squat, but bench as well. Like you get a press command that is like a full three seconds, very long press commands. So, 
unless you've done that and you've done an international meet, everyone says, oh, I want to be where the competition is. Do an international competition and then tell me. Break a world record, then tell me. Have your name in the record books, then again, then come talk to me. It's a, in terms of, you said like, you're 100% right that all of these podcasts, he's goes on. Once you leave the U.S., you say national champion. They're like, man, what nation? U.S. That's cool. But it's not going to, you go to any other nation. They don't super give a shit. Like who's the American national champions for whatever sports. They wouldn't know like for whatever sports they don't, they don't really care, but it's, it, you don't have to say anything more. I don't care what sport it is. If you tell me you're in a sport, how good would you? I was a world champion. Done. Well, we're good, right? That's it. I don't, you don't got to tell me no more, huh? I, I'm like, holy fuck. Now I got, we could talk. I'm going to listen to your stories. How good were you? I was a national champ. Or how good were you? I won this invitation. Okay, I'm not in your sport. I don't know. What the fuck? I'm not in uh, swimming. I'm not in high diving. I'm not in pole vaulting. What is this? Whatever pole vaulting invitational. It's got all the, here's, this guy was there. I don't know these people either though, bro. I well, Give me context. You don't got to say nothing, no context, anything. Just this is Taylor Atwood. He's a four-time world champ, whatever the shit. He's whatever. You know what I mean? Like done. Got mm-hmm. you. If And when you have like multiple-time world champion and there's like a resume like that, oh, sounds like this guy was a dynasty in his sport. Done. Well, I don't need where, anything this, else. This, this is where people get their egos. Like this is where it's ego driven. Like. Um, I hear people all the time where they'll be, where they're, they, they will be like, uh, the competition is here in, in the U S and then it's like, um, God, where was I going with that? I just missed my complete train of thought. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's too late. <laughs> oh my God. No, I feel no, like but, an idiot. No, but um, listen, I had such a good point. This guy's <laughs> got to get up at, at 6am for his real job. Yeah, same here. Uh, I'm in a fucking Milwaukee hotel right now doing this. Man, this was a good conversation, though, can I say? We just went on here and started going off all over the place in different directions. But um, yeah, in terms of uh, like for sure, when Lane Norton goes on these podcasts and they're not powerlifting podcasts, it's going to be a lot easier. Just I see like Gavin Aiden putting out a uh, an app and there's there's a reason why he's like junior world champion. You know, because it, Jim Bro. Oh, I know what I know. wanted to make a point. So yeah, t- so the the world champion, right? Like when you're in a room and you're explaining powerlifting, one, it's ego driven because you're trying to tell them who you are. But two, it's like they honestly don't give a shit. So if you have to go into an explanation of yeah, but there's an there's the IPF and then there's the USAPL and then oh, but no 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 no. But then the USAPL is so much better than the IPF because blah 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 blah. And like they're sitting there like. <laughs> Whereas the punchline should just be yeah, I powerlift and I'm a world champion. Yeah. And then you're then that intrigues them, but when you're you have to talk that to someone that doesn't even know about powerlifting, doesn't care about powerlifting. Now you're like, you've already lost them and now they're not interested. Mm. Whereas if you can just hit them with those two punchlines, I'm a powerlifter. I'm a world champion. Tell me more. (laughs) Like Like people, that's, that's how I hit them. I put that, I put that on my consulting resume. I'm a world champion powerlifter. 
And when I get into a room with a client, that is the first question they ask me, Taylor, sure. could you tell me what the, like you're a world champion? Like, were you in the Olympics? And then I'll go into like, yeah. no, technically I'm not an Olympian and I'll have to explain it to them, but it's intriguing. Right. How many tell you that they used to bench 405 in high school? <laughs> <laughs> but but here's, here's to your point too. <clears throat> but you say you're world champion. A, they don't need like once you and, and like for instance, Delaney Wallace now, he wants to do like motivational speaking, public speaking, whatever yeah. the shit. You put that on there, boom, you're talking in front of people. They don't want to hear nitty-gritties. They just want to hear, tell me the time that you tried this failed came back hit it tell me the time you were overwhelmed in a massive showdown in south africa and like all this pressure was on euro sport and you went out there and won the world tell me about the time i don't know the people that were involved i don't really give a shit just tell me the stories that i want to hear like that like we were talking about lane stories right and because exactly like you said like they'll bring you in to talk to these people as a motivational speaker public speaker because it says world champion on there and it speaks volumes without saying much when you put it on yours for instance taylor automatically they know you're disciplined you're goal-driven you're hard-working you're all of these mm -hmm. things you're confident you're holy shit what does it take to become a world champion you don't got to worry about this guy is he, is he motivated is he disciplined is he are you kidding me what it would probably take to become a world champion? Does he does he work well under pressure? Is he going to be intimidated in these scenarios? No, he's obviously confident, chest out, whatever. Like it's it's it speaks volumes without you having to say a word. Well, Very that, uh, that it's it's key, right? Like I didn't I, that wasn't even my idea to put world uh, champion powerlifter on on the, my resume. It was actually my boss, who's a, a senior senior partner this is very senior within the consulting world like he's literally managing billions of dollars but holy shit he's uh he was the one that told me to put it on there because he's like this is a differentiator this isn't just you telling people that you're a world champion think about what you did to be a world champion it's intriguing it'll get people to talk and then yeah. you'll get more credible um and that's that's what dude world champion I, versus i got it for you this is what you add to the top line of the resume. No 74 in the world works harder than me. <laughs> oh, fuck. Here we are. The last two comments Ben's come in with. <laughs> no, no financial consultant works harder yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No financial. No one will outwork me. And let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. So that's but my it, two cents. It is cool that your boss even said that. Put it on there. You're right. It's a phenomenal icebreaker. And it says a lot, it speaks volumes to who you are and like what you're willing to do. But it is a phenomenal because everyone's into sp sports is the easiest to break ice with and talk about. That's right. Everyone's got, you got a couple of good sports stories. You're rocking and rolling. Um, is there, let's do some plugs. First off, Leah, you got a book and I got to yeah. get a copy. <laughs> and it, I need a signed copy. Do you have copies? I will send it to you. You're going to need a translator, too. Yeah, you will. No, I, look, I took French from kindergarten to grade nine. I mean, right. French immersion, where I learned science, yeah. math, jug, everything in well, French, right? What's that? I need a translator. You don't need a translator. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I want to, I, if I start reading this, I think it's going to come back to me. Because I lost it. You know, you don't use it. You lose it. I could watch French television and know what they're talking about. It's been forever. Um, so anyways, Mike, I want to get this book, read it, and I think it's going to help me. Like, I'll Google <laughs> I will, words. I will send a copy to you, I promise. Got to be signed, though, love. 
It's got to be signed. All right, cool. Ben and, um, secretly signs off on all of them. That's right. It's not going to be you. It's you got your assistant. And you're they, like, they're like strange. They're like, I know I'm stronger than you. Work harder. Yeah. <laughs> Love Leah. That's that's what I'll know. I'm like that's Ben. Okay, well that was Ben right there. That's not Leah at all. But that's fine. Um, and uh, Taylor, have you ever thought about putting out something like an autobiography or something? Or, uh, yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I just haven't had a chance to to write it. My dad is always pushing me to do something like that. We just have so many stories. I don't think, uh, I don't think even I, listen, we could, I could talk hours (laughs) about from the beginning to where I'm at now. Like the stories are just insane. Um, But it's, yeah, it's, it's something that I've, I've definitely thought about. Think Yeah. I mean, look at you guys, neither one of you guys are done. Leia's obviously going to have to write another book. She's in her twenties. I mean, by the time she's in her thirties, we got, we'll have like, this is going to be like game of Thrones. You're going to have so many sagas in there, but um, yeah, man, I would love, I think the more powerlifters should have books. I would love to fucking read, you know, especially your guys takes um, some of the behind the scenes of some of these battles. And like, even like Jason, Ben, Arian, you guys have been like, you guys are good storytellers and can tell some battles as well. But um, anyways, yeah. And uh, is how about plugs for like business ventures or anything? Anybody want to throw those out there? Yeah, I'll go. Um, Leah didn't mention her app, uh, strongerwithleah.com. Uh, so if you want to do training like Leah or get strong like Leah, strongerwithleah.com. <laughs> uh, my supplement company, elemental.fit, um, pre-workout focus products, uh, whey protein. Um, I have nothing else. So... <laughs> Um, do you have anything else that you forgot we're good on this end (laughs) i'll uh pump uh my company's tires um if you're looking for powerlifting coaching uh the strength guys has what you're looking for uh we coach taylor we coach leah we coach um hundreds of other athletes from around the world uh we've got highly educated highly trained coaches who are ready to help you um, also we're going to be launching a, um, injury management and rehab service. So, uh, if you're dealing with an injury and you need some help, um, these are the physical therapists that have helped Taylor. They've helped Ray Williams. They've helped many other high, high, high level power lifters get back to training in a, um, sustainable and, and, and quick manner. Um, and so if you're looking for help, just reach out on Instagram. Our account is the strength guys. Uh, final thing I'll plug, um, we're also launching a, a mental skills coaching service. So, um, you know, it's it's going back to that. If you have a physical injury, it's easy to say that my hip is is preventing me from lifting more. But if you have a habit of, of making decisions that um, aren't actually in your best interest, sometimes it's harder to realize that it's you that's the problem. And, and so you got to work on your mental approach to sport. Um, so if, if you feel like talking to uh, someone with sports psychology education could help you to improve, maybe get to the level that Taylor and and Leah are now at, uh, not only physically, but mentally. Uh, We will have that um, available to competitors shortly as well. Taylor, you got some plugs you need, sir. What's going on Uh, with the businesses, man? I'm I'm good on my end. Uh, Uh, we We got some things in the works. Okay. He already plugged his YouTube channel. He's got that's his, right. uh, hair, he yeah, has that's his right. hair guide on there. That's right. He was like, he's like, listen, you, 
I, I plug mine <laughs> within the content, not in the end. He, he's not showing it right now. You have to go watch the video to see. That's, that's <laughs> it, man. He's a businessman, you know, nothing for free. Nothing for free. How about you, Arian? Or you got, I guess I, it's the same as Jason pretty much or? Yeah, everything Jason plugs, same for me. Okay. All right. Well, listen, guys, thanks for coming on. Much appreciated. Um, holy smokes, man. We just crushed that real quick. I had other questions, but I, I could just put a pin in it. We could do this again. We could probably do this again every other month. Like, fuck, do we, do we crush some, uh, some content when we get together? And at some point, if we're all reasonably in the same, we could, we got to link up. If we're all on the East Coast, and um, I don't I mean, know, we're man. all going to be. <clears throat> we should Austin. all be at Sheffield. So before this, maybe, maybe before this, I don't know. But um, Leah, Ben, we haven't we haven't fight some crime in a while. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? exactly. We need, the... we need to chase some robbers. Come yeah. on, what are we doing? <laughs> some shit talkers. <laughs> some yeah. shit talkers. Just find a big city anywhere in any big city in the U.S. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some crime that. We could have Leah chase somebody down. So, you saying Scranton's not a big city? No, it's not. It's not <laughs> yeah, it is for me. There's crime, it's but fresh. it's not a big city. Um, <laughs> you know what, Ryan? I'll let you know. Uh, I may be coming up to Canada to Toronto again um, sometime within the next uh, month or two. So I'll, let you know. I'll let you know if if we could remake that that trip again. Um, so I'll I'll certainly you know keep in the loop if that's going to happen. Um, other than that, I don't have anything really planned soon. Uh, but yeah, if you're going to be anywhere on the East Coast, just shoot a shoot a message. I'll shoot you a line, man. We got to do something. Time flies. Time yeah. flies. And Taylor, you're on the East Coast too, right? You're right, yeah. relatively yeah. close. I'm in New York. <clears throat> Sounds good. All right. Well, listen, everybody listening, um, wherever you're at in terms of listening to this, whatever platform. Please do subscribe. Give us high ratings. Much appreciated. Post it up in your stories. We will repost them. Until next time, six-pack lap it at six up, and we are out.